Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, uh, I think, the second ever episode of Bix... How did we call it? Booksels. Booksels? Boopsels. Books, books, yeah, something. Basically, it's uh, Pixels and uh, the Boop Show mashed together for your uh, delight and pleasure. I'm Patrick Beja, and with me is the host of uh, Boop, and I'm the host of Pixels. And we team up like we did last year to give you all the news about E3 that you always wanted to have and that you didn't realize you wanted. Maybe you did realize. That is all true. Also, if you've been listening to the Boop podcast during this week or have checked out the YouTube channel, you'll know that you were inundated with a ton (laughs) of Patrick Scott and and John Jagger content where we covered um, every every conference uh, for the most part. We didn't do the Nintendo stuff, but we did really everything else. Uh, live it is also archived if you're interested in going back and reliving those moments with us in real time by gum it's all there for you so the the easiest way to get to the video is just go to frogpants.com slash video and all the e3 coverage yeah and uh people uh, seem to really like it again just like last year people really enjoy this uh i think it's more for the the humor of us being idiots <laughs> as they're getting some <laughs> amount of information about the conferences as, as they're happening but uh it's really heartwarming to to see that people enjoy us being ourselves meaning being being silly so yeah, there um, a couple of cases where people said it's not it's this combination of ding-dongs talking and saying funny things and having interesting improv moments, but also interjecting with what people are referring to as intelligent conversation and <laughs> analysis of the game world. So so in, in that way, I suppose we've bridged the gap between our 12-year-old selves and our middle-aged selves <laughs> right <laughs> but uh so yeah if you have like i don't know 15 hours to to lose you could go listen to those because we we were going live non-stop for a couple of days um but if you just have like an hour and a half or two hours this is the the show you're going to want to listen to because we're going to summarize everything that is important uh, and that uh, should be noted from the e3 press conferences there might be other things that are going to show up during the show itself which only started uh, actually yesterday um sure. and is still going on for a couple of days and there's always more tidbits and interesting pieces of information uh but th- the most important thing that the key things um, are discussed during the conferences, and we saw all of them. So yeah, you might even call them the key notes. They're the ones that we saw, <laughs> and uh, there were a ton of them. We saw every single one of them. I saw a bunch of the Treehouse Nintendo stuff, not the actual video presentation by Nintendo. I was doing another show at the time, so I wasn't able to catch that, um, and still haven't been able to. But 
there's you know that's mostly a zelda conversation which we'll yeah. have when we get to nintendo so uh, what, what we're going to start with hardware or what do you want to talk about first? yeah so uh we're going to do each uh each conference one by one uh chronologically so ea bethesda microsoft um pc gaming ubisoft and uh, sony and then nintendo uh but first before we go through all of those uh, i figured th- there were two things we needed to do uh first disclaimer there was no Red Dead Redemption 2 presented at the show. And that was to the chagrin, I think, of most people who were watching because everyone was hoping that it would get announced. But nope, no Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I, we'll have I to could have. I mean, we all know it's being worked on in some form or another. I we don't gone, know that, actually. I, well, I have a little information that I don't think I'm supposed oh, okay. to public. Well, okay, I can say this because it doesn't use any names. I know someone who knows someone who was hired <laughs> at Rockstar and they are now working on specifically on the red dead 2 team so we know it's being made only from that one connection and also i think generally speaking the industry is certain that that's money on the table so why wouldn't they right right um but i would have gone uh, patrick i would have been happy with a teaser stinger (laughs) short guy with a gun pointing at the camera and going it's about time or whatever just give me something and i would have been happy and they didn't even give us that which was sad right and and i think that was the only uh disappointment if you can even call it that because it's just people were hoping it would come but uh the only disappointment for the whole show i so i'm sure some other people had other hopes but uh this one uh was the only one because oh my god the the conferences were pretty much overall like there were incredible things happening um but before we get into the conferences themselves i figured it would be good to have a little a short discussion about uh hardware specifically because everything else is going to be just games um and hardware wise there were a number of things like confirmations of things we've known for a while um just before e3 sony confirmed that they were working on an upgraded version of the playstation 4 called the playstation neo and uh, but it wasn't going to be at e3 and indeed it wasn't uh, at e3 uh, but Nin- uh, not nintendo um microsoft presented not one but two consoles i'm sure you've heard about this by now but uh starting the show they talked about the xbox one s which yep. is a smaller version of the xbox one and at the end of the show um so the xbox one s is coming out it's pretty much coming out now it's uh, available in august uh, it, it does more or less the same things that the xbox one does uh, it doesn't have a dedicated kinect port you can do that via usb adapter um it, it is a little bit more powerful it's just it does 4k um and some of the textures apparently can be better uh, on some games yeah, but by, by way, and large it's, it's uh, when he says it does 4k we're talking about potentially video here not 4k gaming that's a very important distinction to make uh, i that. think they said you well so yeah basically you can do you can display your games in 4k but it's probably going to be uh upscaled right it's not going to be rendered in 4k which oh correct you know, yeah. No, yeah there's no yes no that's kind of what i meant and and also you know keep in mind this is a company who currently has what is supposed to be a high def 1080p console on the market in the Xbox One without the S, and that one is usually 900p scaled up right. to 1080p. So, right. so I wouldn't be surprised if whatever this claim is is all about upscaling and less about actual rendering. Um, so that's you know that's expected. A slim version of the console that came out a couple of years ago or three years ago is it's something that's going to happen. Uh, but then at the end of the conference, they introduced the uh, uh, Xbox One Scorpio, which uh, we had lots of rumors about it, so it wasn't a huge surprise. But um, it, it it will be a 
very uh, boost, a very much boosted version of the Xbox One, almost a different generation of console. They were, you know, touting the teraflops. They, there are like five or six teraflops, lots of teraflops everywhere. So yeah, it's no, supposed they love, to be. A- they love typing. They love talking about six teraflops, even though. And look, and, I, and we talked about this on some of our other coverage. I know it, there's nothing more annoying than a bunch of know-it-all PC gamers who get irritated by console <laughs> claims and stuff. But six teraflops is nothing. It's barely enough to do 4K. It's barely enough. Some some 4K chokes on six teraflops. So the fact that they were touting that so hard was weird to me. I know it's a big improvement over the previous, but that's oh, not it's, that big. It's not I don't. Big I don't know. I think for for if you can't compare PC teraflops and console teraflops because of a dedicated hardware, then you can squeeze out more out of it. I mean, it's like two or three times more powerful than the current versions of the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four. So it's not going to be insignificant. I mean, obviously, if you go to 4K, it might be a problem because 4K requires a lot of computing power. But um, but it's got to be significant, an improvement, a huge improvement over what we have now. Um, yeah. And it's probably going to be in the ballpark, maybe even a little bit more powerful than the PlayStation 4 Neo when it comes out. That was, and you know, the teraflops, it's numbers. It doesn't necessarily mean everything, but it's a way of quantifying the, the power. But beyond the performance, uh, that's a conversation we've also had for a while. But it's definitely weird that we're getting improved versions of the existing consoles. And there are good sides and bad sides uh, for, for those. Um, but the even weirder thing is that they're announcing it now. After the Xbox One S, and I think it, it halts sales when you announce a new piece of hardware, a new version of your hardware anyway. But yeah. the way I thought you could get over that would be to announce the price. So people can decide, you know, if, if I want to wait for the more powerful one, then I will. But if I don't want to, because I don't have the cash, then I can just buy the, the current one now. But they didn't talk about price. Um, it's coming out in uh, holiday season 2017. So it's super far off. It's a year and a half away. Um that was super weird to me. It, it, it was a. It felt like Microsoft didn't really know where it, again where it wants to go or how it wants to handle its hardware. Yeah. So, so usually at this point you have a you know PlayStation Two Slim or a you know what there's a, this is like you said earlier this is not an uncommon thing to do with hardware is to have a slim model available um, mid cycle. What's making it different is there is a bump in actual hardware in this case and a bigger bump coming with the next iteration of this thing. Uh, to show the price at 299 for the S model and no price for the new one or the one in a year and a half is probably reasonable to expect that they don't know yet or they don't want to settle on that yet or there's too many questions about supply chain and costs and things to 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 put yourself on the line like that and be held to it. Uh, but at the same time, I have no motivation to pick up that slim model and I don't even own the first one. I am all about, well, I waited this long. I will wait until next year and see what Scorpio is about. Because at this point, I don't understand. The incremental upgrade for the for the S isn't all that great. You know what I'm more interested in here, Patrick, is the new controller. The fact that it does Bluetooth. The fact that it's, uh, you know, design interchangeable. The fact that they've improved and refined it in a way. It, I'm more interested in a new <laughs> controller for my PC from Microsoft right. that's Bluetooth enabled than I am about any of this other stuff, which is kind of weird. And it's me. it's a good point. You know, you're talking about PC. They also pushed PC a huge amount. Like the, every game, every first party game is going to be available on both PC and Xbox One. Um, and it, you're going to have be able to like play anywhere. That is their marketing term for cross 
platform saves uh, so you can start playing on one uh, device and then switch to another one and, and keep going um, so it's almost like I'm almost wondering if they're not kind of giving up on the Xbox One in the current version and that's that, that's certainly not the case but that's the impression that it gives and they're like fine we sort of botched uh, the Xbox One and again I don't want to give the wrong impression it's selling better than the Xbox 360 so it's making a lot of you know it's selling well but they're not going to uh, uh, catch up to the PlayStation 4, which is selling even better. So they're figuring, let's double down on the Scorpio. And yes, all your games are going to be available on both uh, devices. And the Scorpio is going to be, you know, it's going to run all the games. It's like, it's it's not, it's like the, the phone model, right? You're going to, your apps run on last year's phone and it runs, and they run on this year's phone as well. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's uh, strange that they're not, they could have held up if if the Scorpio was coming out like early 2017. I could have understood, but a console that's a year and a half away, mm-hmm. um, it's weird. And then there's a whole discussion of do we want the consoles to enter that model of upgraded every few years? Well, yeah. I mean, whether it's still a big question whether we as the gaming public want it, but I I know the companies want it. I think they look at the cycle established by Apple and Android and other. Uh, you know, things in the sphere of like tablets and other things, uh, but sp- phones specifically, they see that cycle and they also see what phones have done to gaming. It's, it's utterly uprooted what people consider uh, the casual market um, and what it should cost for smaller games and where they get them and where most people are playing. It has disrupted that business in a way that nobody saw coming. So because of that and other factors, this is their chance to try to adopt that model and they're doing it kind of covertly in a way they're, they're making it sound like this huge innovation we got an s model and after that this other thing and sony's like well we're doing the neo and the you know they haven't really put their pr on it yet but you know we'll see how they position it but they they want that they want a world where they're constantly uh building upon the previous platform the backwards compatibility is just a given for the last three or four models and they can sell more hardware more quickly this 10-year cycle i don't nobody wants to do that now yeah, that, that, and that's, it even sounds crazy to me now that ten years would be the expected cycle. You know, well, yeah. So the last generation did, I think, eight years or so um, before the new version came out, and that was kind of new. The 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 generations before were usually five or six years, so it was much shorter, and we're almost midway through that cycle already. If you consider the um, the generations before the last one, the Xbox three hundred and sixty and PlayStation three one, um, but. I mean, a lot of people are quick to point out that you don't want your console to have to be upgraded or to have to worry about, oh, am I going to be able to play this game in its best possible form? And all those concerns are completely true. But at the same time, I think there's huge value in um, having a collection of game that is not going to be obsolete in five years, right? That's why I love my Steam collection. It's always there. I've bought a game. It's always going to be there. And sure, maybe I'm going to want to buy an upgraded version, of, you know, like an HD remix or whatever, maybe. But all the games I have, they're there. They're going to play forever. There's value in that. And, and consoles adopting that model and doing the upgrades where you don't have to throw away everything you've had before, uh, that's, you know, interesting. And And on the phones... You don't necessarily want to immediately buy the new version of the phone when it comes out. Sure, if you're a giant geek, you might want to, but 
It, it, you don't have to. So you can still, if the cycle is going to be three years or four years for a new version of the device, you can skip one. It is going to be eight years. And then obviously it is on the on on the uh, hardware manufacturers to police this and make sure that the games run well on older versions that are compatible. And that's going to be a huge task. And I think it's extremely important. And that's where they're going to gain or lose the gamer's approval but if they do it, and I think they can, I think it's overall a positive thing, even though there are drawbacks. Yeah, there, there's a... <laughs> it's so funny because we're just used to this on PCs. Oh, new video cards. I want one. Okay, great. Get it. Or skip one because I know there's another one next year. I'll just get that one. Or let's spend another $1,400 and buy a whole new rig or whatever. And, and people this, are saying they don't want this on consoles. That's what which, they're saying. And the reason I think that they're saying that is because the consoles have always been this great leveling leveling playing field. It sure. was this place where you would play and there was no way that anybody had anything better than you. You were all in the same boat it was frustrating if somebody got a third-party game on another console and it ran better than on your console of choice which still happens um, but that's just a taste of what it what it's like to, to have this idea of multiple levels of quality potential in the same console line so i totally get why they're frustrated because this is not what they're used to if they were used to this it'd be no problem phone users are used to going damn it my 4s won't play this game i better upgrade my phone uh, PC users are used to saying, well, I really want to play that new game, but because my card can't handle V-Sync, it's going to look like garbage. Uh, so I better upgrade my video card or my PC or whatever. So they're used to that. Console players are not used to that. They're used to getting all in at once and then hanging on for eight to 10 years and then all in at once and doing the cycle again. So it is going to be a harder sell. I totally agree. However, like you like you indicated, the benefits of a more regular upgrade cycle on hardware and long tail compatibility with software, those benefits far outweigh the negatives for me. If you're just saying to me, hey, Scott, you may have to spend $299 every three years to have the best possible console experience. I think I'm cool with that. I'm already <laughs> cool with doing that for $500 every time there's a new phone I want. Like, yeah, I, and I, I think, think everyone's got the money, but if you've got the money, I mean, the chances are, if you really care about gaming, then you've got the you've, you've got the two ninety nine. Yeah, I think if you're a hard, you know, if you're a dedicated gamer, I don't think we're talking about you know people who want to go get the console at the cheapest price and and money. I mean, it's not even a question. Uh, yes, it is a question of money, but I don't think that's the main concern uh, in this discussion. Maybe it is, but I think the 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 vision of this constantly upgrading thing and I don't know what I have and I don't know what I've if the the device is going to run the games I want I think that's unfounded because it's not going to be a, a a completely uh, uh you know messy market of android phones it's not even going to be the the 3 or 4 or 5 models of uh, iPhones that are available and it's certainly not going to be the pc business where everyone can put together their own rig um it's going to be two or three devices running you know concurrently and after 10 years uh, one of them is going to be depreciated and um and that's a very clear uh way of doing things now again i understand the fact that it is frustrating and yes it might be um you know a problem if you if you want the latest it's not leveled and that's a problem and it might cost you money or you might not have the money to get the new version 
I completely understand that that's a problem. Um, but you also you don't just get the the drawbacks; you also get the benefits from that system. So exactly, anyway. the inno- you're going to see more innovation. You're going to see the same reason you get benefits from upgrading your phone all the time. Yeah. You see yeah. the latest features, the better stuff. It's on the companies to make sure that they're delivering on that promise. Absolutely, yeah. and we'll see if the console guys can do it. But I agree with you. I think it's a it's a simpler solution. I yeah. still see the S as a bit of a weirdo in this thing because it is just a yeah very it definitely is stuff. yeah but outside of that strange anomaly the idea of two or three in a cycle one going out new one coming in and that's the model from here on out seems more sustainable to everybody involved and i think it makes consoles more uh, relevant in a very changing world where mobile has come in and kicked them in the nuts yeah with that caveat that the uh, microsoft and sony have to be super severe cops and make sure that everyone you know the developers get in line and you have for the older version you you enforce that 30 frames per second drastically and you know you make sure that everything runs and that's super important in it and uh so anyway we'll see um one last uh mention in this area which is every game on xbox one running on windows with people mm-hmm. saying oh then there's no reason to get an xbox one um i think yes for some people that's going to happen um uh, but it's also you know the difference between the pc and the uh console beyond the fact that not everyone has a gaming pc and a lot of people just have a console which is cheap Cheap, a lot cheaper than a gaming PC. Um, the difference is you have one uh, sitting at your desk and you have one uh, sitting on your couch. It's kind of like, you know, saying I don't need the other is like saying, well, I have a phone, I don't need a computer or I don't need a tablet. Sure, some people don't, but some people like it and it's, it's a different form factor. It's a different way of enjoying it. So I, I think that for Microsoft, going PC and Xbox parity makes the, the Xbox a dedicated gaming machine that is cheaper and that sits below your TV. And it is not completely silly to go that route. It might not work, but I think it, it's, not, uh, uh, you know, it's not a mistake. It's not, it doesn't render it obsolete. Yeah, I completely agree. It's going to be interesting going forward. The only other hardware we really got out of this event was, a well... Also, lack of hardware. No Vita talk at all at Sony. Yeah, but we did get a we got a price and release date for PlayStation VR, which uh, you know they completely ignored the Neo news outside of the press release ahead of E3. But knowing price and availability uh, seems good. And then since the stage thing, they didn't show it on stage, but since then they've been showing off their um, their sort of gun peripheral. Yeah, uh, they've been they've gone they've gone real far to make it shaped super weird and to not <laughs> call it a gun. Yeah. Uh, like a light gun or something. They, they're. I forgot the name now. It's written here. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, but it's like this aim device. Like they're, <laughs> they're like avoiding guns completely in this. Which you know, fine, whatever. But it's a, uh, it's a weird looking tubular thing that apparently works really well. I was uh, the people who've had hands on were super impressed. Yeah, but that's for sure. Hardware, right. That's all the hardware we got. I think so. Yeah. So Novita was was well. They've uh, understandable. It didn't sell well. They've sort of given up. Um, as we, we knew we weren't going to get it, no uh, Nintendo NX, uh, and then that uh, uh, PlayStation VR is uh, $399. We had the price already, uh, $499 with the bundle with the Move controllers and the PlayStation uh, camera. And uh, the release date is new, however. It's uh, October 5th, uh, 13th, and that's going to be in the US and Europe. I don't know about the other regions, but uh, it's, it's worldwide, apparently. So. $399 US. Um I was hoping for two fifty, two two ninety nine as a as just more of a hey, that's 
you know, too good not to do kind of price. Mm. Um, but for uh, 300, uh, 399 is still good. It's still substantially cheaper than, than Oculus. Well, $200 cheaper than Oculus and some three or $400 less than a Vive. So, you know, it's while not up to par in terms of specs of those things, I think it's a respectable price. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in getting it. I think, I think I would have been, it would have been no brainer, not even blink if it was like, you know, two ninety nine. Yeah, I pre-ordered. I mean, I have to have at least one VR device in my house. So, um, well, I finally. By the way, this is some breaking news. Beep, 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 beep. Scott finally caved and decided um, after all the dust has settled and everyone's talked about what they can talk about with the latest devices. I ended up ordering a five yesterday. Really? Yeah. Uh, I figured. You know, I was I I was hesitating because it's it's also like actually for work, uh, I I could do it on the company, but I. That's how that's how Tom Merritt talked me into it. He's like, you need to do it as a business expense. I'm like, yeah, exactly. No, but the problem is we're at this weird point in VR where none of this. These are all going to seem like garbage in five years. <laughs> that's the problem. But, you know, it's, oh, and so I'm, I'm, I am taking one for the for the team, as it were. I'm, I'm going to eat it for the <laughs> like company. And, two months after everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I'm glad I did in a way, because from what I've seen. Not that the Oculus, Oculus is some sort of failure or anything, but it's but I it's sort of closed store and it's more closed minded approach to development and other stuff. It does not appeal to me at all. Hmm. What appeals to me is like this more open, like who's going to make the weird thing for this? Like what kind of psycho experiences are are some guy on Steam going to make? And that's what's happening. Like the the development on the Vive is is weirdly robust and strange, and I'm I'm way more interested in that. So. Between of all of them, it's it's the Vive and the and the PSVR that 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 intrigue me at all. PSVR from a more mainstream gamer perspective, and the yeah. Vive more like oh they're letting me walk through the pyramid, sweet like just weird shit. <laughs> and it seems like uh, to close off the conversation about hardware, um, everyone who's tried well not everyone but a, a few people who have tried the PlayStation VR have been surprised at the quality, uh, the image quality, and the uh, performance of the machine when, you know, we sort of all assumed that it was going to be significantly underpowered compared to the PC counterparts. And uh, apparently it looks, yes, it doesn't look as good um, for the price. It's not surprising, but it is more on par than people expected. So we'll have to wait and see it for ourselves, I guess. But uh, that's that seems to be good news. Yeah, I agree. That's good. I don't want that thing to be poop, but I, <laughs> I'm not expecting the world, and it sounds like it's going to be closer to the world than it was the poop. Yeah. So <laughs> closer to the world than it was to poop. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's jump into the conferences themselves and uh, strap in because there's going to be a lot of a lot of games, uh, lots of awesome stuff that were featured. Um, first of all, EA, uh, the first uh, conference that happened on Sunday evening for me, Sunday morning for you. Um, uh, overall impression of EA? What did you think? It was terrible. I thought it was the worst. Oh my conference. god! It, wow. Okay. The entire week it was the worst one. Um, Look, it's not like... Good Are you game- counting PC uh, gaming in there? Uh, Well, that was a known quantity. I expected more from right. EA from presentation. Like, as far as the PC one, the PC one came out a little more hitting the road running. And I was impressed that, you know, as much as it was kind of the same format and kind of the same problems, at least they were like going game, 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 and they were getting right to it. And then AMD came out and did a live infomercial, and it made me want to slip my wrist. So that... I <laughs> it hated- was five minutes. It sucked though. It really sucked. Last year it was more. It was worse. I know because they did multiple guest showings of AMD people, which <laughs> is just so bad. But 
it, it was fine. But as but as far as expectations being realized or potential being realized, EA, who is no longer exhibiting on the uh, E3 proper, they're doing it across the street. Um, maybe this is a sign of that also. But that just was a big sour mess. Like I'm really excited about Titanfall two. Very excited about um, Battlefield One from a from a single player exp- uh, pers- uh, perspective. Don't really care about the multiplayer, but like there's some cool games. But for the most part, that was just a slog. I, I hated so, it. So yeah, the the problem is I think so. They discussed. Uh, we're going to talk about the game specifically in a second, but they had Titanfall Two, which was a solid showing. Uh, Battlefield One that was uh, a solid showing as well, but we sort of knew already uh, a lot of what was featured. Uh, and aside from that. The problem was, you know, they discussed Mass Effect Andromeda, which is supposed to come out uh, early 2017, um, but we, we we were all excited about it, uh, but they didn't have any any gameplay footage. They didn't have any footage at all. Um, yeah, that's nervous. I don't think they're, I think they're, something's wrong. I think they're not going to make that date. I think they I, think yeah. it's the day of 2017. I think for a game that's coming out in nine-ish months, um, they would have shown more. Um, but uh, let, let's get back to it in a second. But they also showed uh, lots of, as we said during the stream, Sports Bowl, um, NFL. FIFA 15 is getting a single-player experience, which is awesome for people who like FIFA. Um, I'm not a, a big Sports Bowl person. He's uh, sports person um they announced like uh esports uh, uh structure with anyone being able to put together their own challenge like there's actually a challenger tier where anyone can go and do it uh anyway there's a, a bunch of stuff they announced here uh they talked about star wars games which could have been awesome but again they didn't show anything they basically came out uh jade raymond came out and she said hey we're working on star wars games and we're not going to show any of them to you. No, so it here's was like, a, here's a sizzle reel of people in offices working on computers. <laughs> exactly. It, it was bad. It was just straight so, up. And it was the same for Mass Effect. Uh, they had this, uh, this one indie game. They started basically an indie label called EA Original. Uh, they had Faye, which looked amazing. And I'm sure you're going to want to talk about it. But overall, the, the problem with that conference is that they didn't show games. So that was certainly disappointing. But let's start with the first one, which was a high note i think titanfall 2 what did you think um i'm very excited because this we're getting a proper single player experience and as much as i don't know as much as i'm enjoying say overwatch right now or or heroes of the storm and other multiplayer games um and i think we're going to see a a glut of really rad multiplayer experiences coming very soon i i just don't get that excited about uh, respawn and and their multiplayer or any of the call of duty multiplayers i'm far more interested in a narrative experience and they know how to make a really great blockbuster style experience. Uh, you know, these are the original call of duty people. They made modern warfare one and two. Um, they know their stuff like anybody else. And of course, Titanfall one was pretty cool, but it was primarily a single player experience that they scattered in some things that sort of felt single player ish, uh, like bots and, you know, some other stuff. But I, am very excited about this game. It is probably, it is probably the most excited I've been about, anything to do with Titanfall since the original announcement. I love the idea of giant mechs and I love the idea of uh, taking that into more of a story mode. And the idea of your mech being sort of your semi sentient uh, buddy (laughs) is rad. That's super cool. 
they, they definitely made it look like it was a partner or it had an AI or something and is going to play a role in the in the single player campaign. But I mean, that game Titanfall was it had a core of fun that was not crafted properly for the long term and. It seems, at least from what we've seen, it seems that they've taken that core, that fantasy of being the, the soldier with the mech that is so fast and like, uh, uh, you know, active and exciting. And they dialed it even higher. And it seems like high octane action, like, you're right, triple A, uh, uh, blockbuster action movie type thing. And, uh, they know their stuff. And it seems like they put all of it in Titanfall 2. And, you know, we've been seeing other videos with different types of mechs and different... They Now the mechs look like almost superheroes. They have, like, sword powers and shields and, like, it's super weird stuff putting together, put together that works. And even, like, when you're outside of your mech, you have now the grappling hook. Like, every game had a grappling hook. <laughs> um, we kept joking about this during the the the, the feed, the, the streams, but... Even when you're a pilot, it seems like you're doing exciting stuff, and maybe it's not going to hold off, hold up for a long time in the multiplayer environment. But it definitely seems like they're putting together a super awesome single-player campaign. And again, I was extremely uh, excited about the prospect of Titanfall, and it seems it's going to be realized with the second one. So I'm yep. definitely. Very excited for it. It's coming out soon, too. It's, it's October 28th. Well, not super soon, but... Uh. Yeah. We also heard, um, speaking of Respawn, before I forget, they're working on a... Uh, they're also working on one of the Star Wars titles. Some of, uh, I can't, can't remember which one, but one of the Star Wars titles being worked on. Yeah, they uh, didn't give a, a, a title. Um, no. No. But yeah, so they, they have Visceral working on one for 2018. They have a VR mission, by the way, for Battlefront. Uh, for Battlefront. Um and there's Battlefront 2 coming in 2017. Uh, but yeah, Respawn working on a Star Wars game, it was announced. But yeah. That's a tr that's intriguing. And, sure. and what they do with that, I don't know. Um, I suspect a lot of action and probably plays to yeah. their shooting strengths. But that's fine with me. Both those studios are great. So that'd be good. Mass Effect. So as I mentioned, we didn't see almost anything. There were a couple of uh, pieces of... of footage here and there but the more interesting thing that i uh, took away from that presentation was something that they said which was in mass effect andromeda you're going to be uh, uh you know it's basically a, a group of humans or maybe even just one human going out in a different galaxy obviously the andromeda galaxy um but you're trying to go and find another home, but there are no other humans. You're the alien there. And they said that, so that prospect is already kind of uh, uh, exciting. And then they mentioned that there is more freedom in that game than in any other Bioware game. And that's an extremely tall order. And uh, if you remember the previous Mass Effect games, they sort of restricted your freedoms as you went through the different uh, installments of the franchise. Uh, one was super open, two was less. You had tiers of three planets you had to explore before you moved on to the next tier, and three was kind of the same thing. Um, but I loved the first thing, the feeling of exploration, and it seems they're going back to that. So I'm super excited. We didn't see anything, but that intent um, is titillating for me. Oh, big time. Yeah, that game, um, I mean... 
whatever that ultimately means, if it means a more open world uh, place where where me traveling planet to planet or system to system isn't just a console in the in the bridge of the ship and a little tiny ship icon moving there, and that's you know, and maybe a brief animation of me hitting the Mass Effect jumper thing and flying off. That I would I want so much more than that. I want it to feel more like Mass Effect One, but even more so like I am in a vast place. And I don't necessarily need it to feel like Eve online or something, but I want it to just feel like space is less of a lobby and more of a place. Right. We, um, we want basically Star Trek, right? It, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's almost like what Mass Effect felt like it was modeled a, a, around. Not one-to-one, obviously, but it's like the go out and explore, be a settler, be a, a, a I don't know, be a... a uh, an adventure that goes out at sea to see things that no one knows exist, right? That kind of thing. So more than a pew pew uh, a shoot 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 them up uh, action thing. So mm-hmm. I mean, there are ways of doing both at the same time, and I'm not saying there aren't. But um, the intent for the space exploration feels more in line with what I want when it's uh, more freedom, like you know. Americans, you should understand what I mean. More freedom for everyone. Yeah, all more um, free. USA, USA. There USA. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, Mass Effect, unfortunately, not a lot of uh, con- concrete uh, information. Um, and then uh, the last thing I, I, I think is worth mentioning is uh, after Unravel, which was their indie, you know, with Yarny, the adorable little character that they showed last year, they they are now going full steam uh, with indies and uh, they're doing a, a, an actual, well, a label uh, for indie games. And um, the first one that they're showcasing in that label is called Faye. And it, you were really impressed with that. Yeah. Um, well, from an art direction, it, I think it looked incredible. It looked kind of mind blowing. And um, it reminded me of a lot of other stuff, a little bit of limbo here, a little bit of um, Ori in the Blind Forest there, kind of kind of definitely in that vein of uh, this ethereal, strange world full of creatures you can't quite describe kind of thing. And I'm really into that. I love that that whole motif. Um, I'm not so sure after seeing the footage that I'm as excited about it. Um, the footage looked to me to be kind of standard 3D platformer puzzle solver to me. And I don't know why it struck me that way or, or if it's ultimately going to be a problem. It might be just fine. But there was something about the way it looked. It just was like, well, this is like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's something about it just didn't ring for me when I saw it in motion, but it's no doubt that it's gorgeous. Um, I, I, you know, the idea and the idea that any of these companies, EA or otherwise are making any efforts, any inroads into supporting better, smaller teams, uh, doing crazy cool things that you're not going to see from AAA uh, studios is always a good move. So I, I don't, you know, there's nothing really pejorative I have to say about any of what they showed with that, except that game itself looks cool on surface. I'm not sure about playability. I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. Um, I guess we can move on to Bethesda. Um, the, the, yeah, Battlefield, I don't think that we can add much more. Um, no, it looked cool. I watched some of the stream afterwards where they played it, and uh, it looks really nice. The destructibility of the world is super cool. It looks very authentic. There's nothing quite like seeing a giant um, gas-powered uh, airship crashing into a village in France is insane looking like it really, they've really captured that stuff. 
Um, and so, you know, again, props to art direction in a way that I could not believe. But it also looks like everyone's playing Battlefield. Like, there's no question that this is in that line. It looks and, a little bit more brutal, I would say, in the trailers at least. Sure, but, uh, the trailers are that way. But the actual gameplay that I watched, it's, you know, mm, sure, you, walk, you melee a guy or you shoot him in the head or you, you know, drop a plane onto a thing. Like, it's, it really is Battlefield. And that's what fans want. So I, I'm not besmirching that, but... It's never necessarily been my cup of tea since Battlefield 1942, and so I don't I don't know how much I'm going to care about that. But and and because they said so little about a single player experience, I don't know what to expect there. That's more intriguing to me. Mm. And so I'm I, I, if that's a big deal part of that game and reviews well, that's probably why I'll pick it up. All right, uh, Bethesda then. Bethesda had the Woo Lady, I think, was the main <laughs> feature in the uh, conference and. Yeah. It saddens me that this is what I remember from the conference. But um, so last year they had an incredible showing and it, it sort of blew everyone's minds um, with, especially with Fallout 4 almost finished, coming out like three or four months later. That was insane at a time where every presentation was for a game that wasn't coming out for another two years. Um, this year, They had a few uh, interesting things to to show. Um, some of the things were, you know, up DLC and stuff for Doom or things we already knew about, like the Elder Scrolls Legends um, CCG. Uh, the Skyrim Special Edition is kind of cool, you know, if you if you're into Skyrim and want to play it again with uh, upgraded graphics. Like PC gamers are sort of saying, oh pay for the mods that you could get for free on PC. And what I say to them is, shut up. <laughs> you know. um, but yeah, it, it, over all of this, there was this incredibly annoying uh, person that was screaming at the top of their lungs with every announcement. And it's sort of anecdotally funny, but I think it, it was a real problem for the presentation. It actually took away from, like it took your attention away from what they were saying and just making you, made you cringe. And I mentioned on DTNS, I can imagine the people in the uh, uh, in the, the director's room thinking, holy crap, we have to do something about that lady. Like, I, I'm not going to play the thing here because I don't want to, you know, whatever. But it was actually bad. Like, there are always people screaming. But this one was, you could hear her and she was yelling. She wasn't just enthusiastic. Like, she was... Anyway, um, I couldn't tell if it was just her or if it was a, a mic too close. It was so hard oh, probably. to tell, but it was terrible. Like somebody in the booth or in production or somebody should have stopped and said, guys, freaking shut her up. We know it's a, it's good to have plants and they're supposed to get people riled up. But And, I, you know, I'm sure it's a, it's a developer that's excited to, to, to show finally to the world what they've been working on. But, yeah, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. It's just, uh, you know, it was annoying and it made it, it did take away from the presentation from what overall I would actually say content wise was probably my second favorite. Oh, really? Uh, so what did you like? Let's talk about games. Uh, for me, it is about not thinking I was caring at all about Dishonored 2 mm. and coming away thinking that Dishonored 2 might be one of my more anticipated games. Um, I thought the first one was okay. It was a bit linear. It didn't quite live up to what other Bethesda experiences I had had. I don't know if I expected, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of expected a combination of thief and Skyrim. That's kind of how they sold the first game. And I didn't think it was that it was okay. I liked it, but it wasn't great. This, what they were showing in this gameplay wise looked really, uh, kind of breathtaking and rad. 
It looked really nice. It looked like it played really nice. Very creative solutions to uh, stealth situations and crowd control and the kind of stuff I really like doing in a stealthy game. So I'm I am all up in that. And I'm glad they spent an extended amount of time showing that thing off because it looked real good to me. And, and, and that was enough to kind of propel the entire their entire conference a little bit higher uh, to know that there's a new Quake game in the works and that they've learned some lessons from Doom in lots of positive ways. And then that may perhaps impact what what Quake is, what Quake assembly or was it a Quake? Uh, What's it called? Quake oh, champions, shit. champions, what that actually is. Because we don't know a lot about what it actually is yet. There's been some stuff since then, since the presentation, but it's still a little bit of a question whether it's just an arena shooter or more. But regardless, um, I feel like Bethesda had a real place this year. Like this was this they deserve a presentation at at E3. Last year was kind of a test. This year felt like they kind of solidified it, and they have enough going on to get me excited. And I'm actually excited to play a remastered version of Skyrim. I'm ready to yeah. dive back into that damn thing. Yeah. So uh, Skyrim is coming out October 26th. Uh, Quake Champions, is it is going to be an arena shooter. They did mention it's going to have um, a single-player campaign. Uh, it, we don't know how extensive it's going to be. Um, but there there are going to be different champions. So I'm wondering if, it's, if, if it isn't going to be um, another one of those hero shooters that you know are everywhere now. Um, we'll have more information at Quake, QuakeCom, which is coming soon. But they also said they want it to be for gamers of all skill levels. So... I'm wondering if they aren't taking a, a page from uh, the, the Overwatch book and maybe creating different champions that play differently, including some that don't necessarily need you to be the best uh, aimbot there is in the world. Uh, but, I mean, obviously Quake, just like Doom, is uh, a, a, such a nostalgic button to push that everyone who has ever played it is going to be at least paying attention to what they're staying, saying. Um Doom is the latest one is obviously a huge success. I mean, uh, uh, game design wise and creatively, it's, it managed to capture the essence of what Doom was 20 years ago. And, um, I, I think a lot of people are thinking they're, they're going to do the same thing with Quake. And I hope that they will, but it's coming, you know, it, it's, it's showing so quickly after the release of Doom. I don't know that anything that, any anyone said about doom or even developing it concurrently is going to influence what quake is maybe they're going at it from the same philosophy and and id has very competent people at the helm so maybe they're going to have a success with quake as well but i don't think that because doom was good quake is necessarily going to be managing to to harken back to what made quake good as well so well that's the goal and you said philosophy and that's what i'm hoping for here what i hope mm. doom 3 or doom 3 doom the new doom proved out for them or made them realize is that their instincts were good to make this thing feel like original doom but add to it in the ways that don't take away from that feeling and only add to it and it is an it is a colossal achievement i think doom is probably in my top three of the year it's really really good and i want more of it and i can't wait to see what they do with it so by that token, what I hope what was learned here was, all right, you guys, we were right about that. And our instincts are therefore right about what we're doing with Quake. And this Quake character, the guy with the helmet, looks just like the dude from the original Quake, which is kind of <laughs> dopey and dumb looking. But the point is, if it gives me hope that what they're trying to do is recapture that in the way that Doom did. If they can do that, and not that Quake was known for its incredible campaigns, because it wasn't. But it was known, because so this is a slight bit of a flip. The Doom stuff was... 
and therefore the new Doom campaign is what's amazing. And the multiplayer is okay, just like original Doom. This is a game, Quake is a game where the multiplayer was the standout and changed games forever, really. And the campaign was just sort of there. So, so <laughs> if they're staying true to the, to the, the origins of Quake, that may be a problem. If you prefer one over the other, maybe it, maybe what right. you do want is a, is a really great fast paced arena shooter in a much more crowded space for that. Now that's a upper, more uphill battle for quake to, to re- reclaim that qu- crown than it was for doom to reclaim the, the campaign crown. So you make a good point, but I, I just feel no, like I, I, yeah. they have to have learned from this doom thing sure. in lots of positive ways. And I hope that's the, like you said, I hope it's the philosophy moving forward. Mm. Um, all right. There were a bunch of other tidbits. Um, they talked about the Elder Scrolls Online, which has 7 million players. Uh, I think that's registered players, I'm guessing. Um, but there's, there's, uh, the one Tamriel thing, which is going to bring all the zones, uh, to dynamic leveling basically you can go anywhere in the game and you're gonna it's gonna be level appropriate which is kind of cool um they had updates for doom for the multiplayer dlc and they have snap map updates as well and uh, actually id took over the managing of the multiplayer for doom it was developed by another company and now they're taking it back in house so maybe it's going to improve as well um what else there's uh uh Fallout 4, bunch of updates. Uh, there's Doom VR. There's actually a virtual tour of hell for Doom that's going to be coming out. And a Fallout 4 VR exp- experience, both for the HTC Vive. Um, and then... I want that Doom thing, and I don't want it to be the game proper. I'm glad that it's this separate thing where you just get to sort of tour the 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 environments because the game itself would just make you yak immediately. Of course, which is yeah. the way it worked. Um, and then I wanted to mention Dishonored 2 is coming out November 11th so it's this year as well and it, it pre-orders include the Dishonored 1 um, definitive edition for a limited time so if you want to check out that game as well you can do that and then there's one thing we should mention the Prey reveal trailer which it's not Prey 2 it's not quite like it's a complete reboot of the Prey franchise which is not the most well-known thing but it looked strange and interesting with this weird dude that was living through the same thing over and over again um groundhog day prey edition basically yeah (laughs) and then it it moved into something else but um it was i I think it looks uh i mean i'm I'm at least intrigued i really liked the first prey game and i thought two was shaping up nicely and then when they canceled it i thought well that's the last we'll see of that but the the the, you know there's life left in this is good news i'm i'm excited about it i mean it feels like shooters are having a resurgence and not just shooters but shooters with a much more fantasy take on things um and i'm all in on that so so they showed what they showed there was intriguing i'm excited for sure um all right let's move on to microsoft um we've already talked about the hardware announcements so we're not going to go over that again there's Um, only one hardware i want to mention from the microsoft thing that we didn't mention and that is the cameras six miles away from the screen when they were showing (laughs) it good lord that was annoying it was so annoying i was so afraid sony was going to be worse at it and they actually were better so and it, it it did uh raise some concerns on Twitter as well. There I saw a bunch of people going like Can someone please tell the director to show the freaking game on the screen, like not the theater. We don't care about the people watching the game. <laughs> so really um but yeah, so uh, a bunch of stuff uh shown. I mean it was definitely a huge conference. Gears of Wars, Recore, uh Scalebound, a bunch of bunch of stuff. More than that, Forza Horizon three, um what did you think of the of the conference as a whole? Um, 
Better than uh, it's a good Microsoft conference overall, like better than years previous. I like zero focus on the one device of your living room for television <laughs> people. And like, I don't want any of that. I want games, games, games. And they focused on that, which is nice. Um, if I had any misgivings, it's the one I usually have about Microsoft conferences, which is the games are almost always not always, but almost always some sort of sequel to something. And it's to some degree, Sony's guilty of this as well, but um, it all felt like kind of like, oh yeah, well, of course that's being made. Oh yeah, sure. That's coming there. Of course it is. Um, I guess maybe the, the standout for me was that any of these games moving forward will be playable on PC uh, when you buy them. So in other words, if you buy the Xbox version of a future Halo game, uh, or this Gears of War 4, let's use an example. You'll be able to play that on the on your P- Windows 10 PC as well. Uh, one price, two devices. Basically, you know, again, the phone model of if you've got an iPad and an iPhone and you buy the app once, you only have to buy it the once because you use it on both. Like that, that's cool. And I, and I like that. It's a good customer facing uh, feature, even though I don't own an Xbox One. And I still have questions about how I get it on PC if I don't have oh you just go to actually it's very simple you just go to the windows store or the xbox store uh on windows 10 it's windows 10 exclusive but you just go there and buy it and download it and then you play it but will Um, i if i buy it from that direction will i be able to well do i now also own it on a on a xbox one if i get an xbox one yes for the participating ones which are all of the first party ones and probably some of the um the third party ones yes you own it on both systems and with the unification of windows 10 you know uh, on all platforms including uh, xbox one you supposedly um can just go to your xbox one and and press a button and download it and uh you just own it on both platforms it didn't work quite as well for uh what was it quantum break uh, there was some hiccups but hopefully by now they've fixed it and um and and you'll be able to do that uh, easily so right um yeah so yeah that that was that was kind of cool there were um you're talking about everything was kind of sequel to something else it, it's you can say that about many um i think we're going to talk about this again a little bit when we talk about sony and there's there's some different approaches there that are really interesting but there was gears of war which was it's coming out October 11 and it's crossplay as well so you can like do the thing on Windows and Xbox One um it's it was super good looking and it was super gears of war which is both a good thing and both a bad thing and i think if we hadn't had the sony conference i would have said well you can just you have to do the same thing to have the fans be happy because if you don't, then they're not happy. And, and if you do something different, then they're, you know, it's not the same game, obviously. Um, but if you do the same thing, then it feels like the same thing. I think it's okay that it's the same thing. It's just, um, well, it's Gears of Wars, uh, Gears of War. And I'm probably going to be playing it because I, I loved uh, Gears of War back in the day. Um, but it is, there is that sort of dampening feeling of, well, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It looks, it looked awesome though. At the end where you, where it felt like the world was ending around you. That was super impressive. Um, yeah. Yeah. It looked really, really good. Um, it, yeah. I mean, I, they were showing some things on that on, on, I assume. It, <laughs> so here's some confusion. Were, were we watching demos or were we watching game footage that was running on Windows 10 PCs or were we watching game footage running mm-hmm. on native Xbox? And that 
I only ask that because now that's a question. Every time we You're see right. yeah. footage, we have to wonder. And of course, PCs are going to allow them to do more with frame rate and resolution and textures and everything else, at least until whatever Scorpio does. So um, I don't know. I just, I, I, every once in a while, I just go, oh, well, I don't. That's probably the PC version because that looks way really better than than the frame rate I expect out of either of the two current consoles, uh, PS4 or Xbox. So I don't know if anyone's brought that up out there in general or if that's been a concern with anybody, but if it does feel like we're kind of back to the days of, uh, oh, the 360 games looked amazing, but they were running on Mac Pros in the back room or something. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why that bothers me. It probably shouldn't. Um, like when Sony showed off the Killzone 2 trailer and everyone was just blown away and they had said at the time it was getting game footage and it wasn't. It was all rendered or it yeah. was assisted rendered. Uh, it whatever. was target graphics, which, or, or, you know, every time Ubisoft has ever shown any game ever, and when you actually play it, it's like, oh, well, yeah. it doesn't look bad, but it's definitely sure. not what we saw a year ago. It, absolutely. And if I remember right, was that, was the Killzone thing for PS2 or PS3? I don't remember. Uh, Killzone was PS3. Was it? Were they showing yeah. off the one where it was the big fake footage? Yeah, 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 it was PS3. I'm, I'm okay. fairly sure. If that's the case, then, yeah, that was a sneaky little thing. So so the, some of that was happening in my head, and it's only because... Oh, like, wait. It was Killzone 2, actually, that, that they had this, uh, this thing that looked amazing and that it wasn't like that in the end. It wasn't yeah. Killzone 1. Kill, Killzone 1 is super old. It's 2004, so... Right, correct. So, yeah, it was Killzone, Killzone 2, and it was, yeah, and it was, big, you know, it was the laughing stock of the gaming world for a while that Sony had tried to sort of pull one over on people. But there's, okay, let, let me interrupt you for a second. There's no reason to believe that Years of War 4 is going to be that. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it played on Xbox One. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you there. I just, it's a much smaller thing, but I'm guessing we were looking at PC footage of that thing. Okay, maybe. Um, there's uh, other games ReCore is coming out September uh, 19th that's the game from Armature and uh, Kenji uh, Keiji Inafune uh, the guy behind the Mega Man series and uh, some of them at least Um, and so basically I'm not exactly sure what the gameplay is going to be but it looks like uh, platforming with you have a a companion that is kind of a robot and you put a, a light core in them and you have different versions of your companions you have the little dog thing and then you have the other you know different robot animals thing then and they play with you um alongside you it seems um it, it looks weird and interesting i'm just not 100% sure what it is yet yeah i can't tell either um it seems it seems cool um you know one of the problems i guess with the overall microsoft conference with this game and others uh, you know in general and in particular they didn't really show very much it was i mean all of the conferences can be accused of having stinger reels and just here's a really good flash in the pan trailer and you know they all had elements of that but if you're contrasting the two big ones sony and microsoft sony had a lot more of extended play session type stuff going on yeah so actually showing you what the game is ubisoft as well they they showed a lot of as well yeah that's a good point especially their weird dance thing at the beginning (laughs) but but they you know and then in this game and others on the Microsoft conference I just didn't get a I just don't get a full uh, you know I, I didn't get a full idea of what the hell's going on I think the, you know basic yeah the, the Microsoft one I think felt like an exciting conference but the games like as a whole I was pumped I was like yes this is cool and there's this and that and and you know the Gwent game which looks weird from from uh, uh, Witcher three and. Sea of Gwent Thieves, which so looks fun. interesting. I'm so excited about yeah. Gwent. 
and freaking uh it's a great game and it should be on its own yeah. i'm stoked um there's dead rising 4 which comes back to dead rising 1 and there's tekken 7 which is coming early 2017 finally we have days and by the way tekken tag tournament 2 is free and backwards compatible for this week so go and get it on your on your xbox one i certainly did or if you have a basically a, an xbox gold account just go buy it on um on on the web you can do that too um Scalebound, which actually Scalebound, I might come back to it afterwards, but overall, it felt like a, an exciting thing. But when I come go back and look at each individual game, it's sort of like, oh, well, I guess this one is kind of okay. And this one, yeah, I, I want to play, but it's not... The conference as a whole was more exciting than each individual game. I, it's weird. I don't know how to explain it, but um. I, I completely agree. I went back with my kids to watch some of the some of the trailers, and it's true across the board. Um, they were there's something about it being shown, hearing the audience get excited, you know, knowing that this is happening in real time. This stuff we didn't know before, and it's just diminished later. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's like the, the, the what's it called a distortion field that. Yeah, uh, reality distortion yeah, field. Reality distortion field. That's it. There's a bit of that going on, maybe. But um, well, I actually I think there's a little bit more than just that. Like if you look at the 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 actual gameplay demos we saw, uh, I think the most the two most aside from Gears of War four, uh, which was super successful, uh, there was Final Fantasy fifteen and Scalebound, um, and both of them they stand out because they were a, a character in third person view basically battling an arm or something over and it, final fantasy 15 especially it was like there was a giant enemy and they would swipe their arm back and forth on the on the field and the the hero would like try and hit it and it would never end and it, i think it feels like an influence of monster hunter somehow that yeah. has seeped into both of those games like for you to battle giant monsters and find the, the the weakness and exploit it so that you can actually beat it and there's some strategy there and some uh, skillful execution but in the demos it felt like all right the swipe is coming again and then you hit the arm and you're not sure quite what it does and then you're gonna fall again because it swipes you again and it's a giant yeah and scale bound which i was very excited for last year this year felt repetitive and like exactly like final well not exactly but kind of like final fantasy you had that giant monster that would show up and you're not quite sure maybe when you play it when you actually play it it's fantastic but looking at it it had it got me a little bit worried yeah Um, no i'm i'm with you the monster hunter influence was most apparent this year of any year i've seen and i'm including in this a game i'm really excited about in pretty much every way possible uh, and that's the new Zelda game, which I know we'll talk about later with Nintendo. But that game has influences for Monster Hunter. Um, there are two influences I've noticed the most this year are Monster Hunter influences. Lots of Japanese games exhibiting that and even some American ones showing some of that stuff. But also survival games have definitely eked their their poison in, into the gaming world <laughs> in a way that even is affecting Zelda. So. I don't, you know, not saying that's good or bad, but um, surely these trends are finally starting to get their mainstream hookups mm-hmm. in some of these bigger titles. All right. Before we move on, um, Halo Wars 2, there's a demo that should be available already. So if you were into that RTS, which was surprisingly 
popular. I didn't think it was that popular, but yeah. um, yes, I don't it think was. It really well, overall, it was it was at the tail end of like Ensemble Studios was shut down right after its release. A bunch of people got laid off, moved off to other projects. So it's not like you know, I don't I don't feel like it was um, a huge success for them by monetary standards. But it's like the Iron Giant. It's like this thing that years yeah. later will think very fondly on. And there are there are definitely a very rabid. There's a rabid fan base who cannot wait for more Halo Wars. Um, State of Decay 2, you also really liked. Yeah. So, I mean, nothing about State of Decay 2 is remarkable uh, visually or, 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 you know, out of the normal what we expect from a State of Decay game, except for the fact that I love the first one so much that I cannot wait for a sequel. I'm very yeah. excited about that game. So that's um, more about me than anything else. But, yeah. yeah. Actually, I'm looking at the list, and uh, there's a bunch of independent games that I was very intrigued about. Um, Hand of Fate 2, you, <laughs> I know yeah, that you, you're also very excited about. We Happy Few was weird and interesting. There's this like weird aesthetic of people. So We Happy Few, if you haven't seen the trailer, it's basically you're at a desk doing a repetitive task, sort of erasing reality erasing the past almost like you know it's it's big brotherish and you have to take this uh pill that was it called joy joy and, right so you have to take the pill and you look at something and you're like no i don't want to take the pill and then some weird character with a mask a creepy smiley commedia dell'arte mask shows up and and tells you that you should take the pill, but you don't. So she takes it, and then you go out, and you walk around, and you see some disturbing thing. And then you got to get into a room, and they tell you, oh, come on, hit the piñata. It's fun. You have to hit the piñata. And then you hit the piñata, and obviously the piñata wasn't a piñata. It was like it was, but it was full of blood, and everyone has, like, it's this weird indie thing that I'm not sure I'm going to like, but I want to know more about. Yeah, I definitely want to know more about that. My kids, yeah. uh, so my daughter was a big fan of Contrast, the other title they're known for. Um, and she heard about this ahead of time and showed me some screenshots or something. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And seeing the actual video and how dark it gets in terms of its uh, thematic ideas, very intrigued by that. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it looks like it's small but big in some ways. Um, yeah, time will tell. But weird art style, freaky, freaky ideas being explored in there probably going to be disturbing so <laughs> yeah probably. I, guess I, I guess i'm in i'm ready my body is ready and then sea of thieves um i don't understand why people are so excited about this they were excited last year already uh, i mean the pedigree uh, for sure but it's, it's rare that's it that's yeah the only reason. yeah but that's i mean rare. they they showed a uh basically they invited a bunch of youtubers to play together and have fun and it looked like they were having fun in the way that youtubers have fun which is you know, screaming and laughing very loudly in the camera to amuse uh, preteens is what it felt to me like. And maybe I'm wrong, but it, the game itself, it was like, it's a pirate simulator, but not in a, I didn't see the gameplay. It was like, all right, put out the sails and go on the sea. And, oh, you fell into the sea. And like, I didn't understand what was funny or gameplay about it beyond the YouTubers being dorks and having fun because basically that's how they have fun being funny, being doing funny things on the, on the, the deck of the boat. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. There was, I didn't see any gameplay. Yeah. They, they didn't really show any, I mean, I like the idea of, I mean, basically what they showed is like pirate based mountain blade. 
that Mountain Blade game, which we did see a sequel video for during the PC conference, is really, really popular. And it's basically a siege game where, you know, as a team, you do things. This guy's setting up a trebuchet. This other guy's storming the castle with a sword. This other guy's on a horse doing whatever he's doing. Like there's archers in the back. Like you have these roles to play. And that that game felt like that idea, but with pirates. And that sounds great to me, but they really didn't show much. So what we're counting on is a, a hint of gameplay and the pedigree of rare. And that's a weird thing to count on, given that rare has been so quiet for so long. Um, they're not the rare they used to be. There's not even hardly anyone that's there that used to be rare. It's just a company Microsoft owns, and that's the name of the developer now. And that may mean great things, and it may mean nothing. So I, I'm I'm very hesitant to get too excited about it. But if they can pull that off in a way that rare, you know, rare is a lot like Nintendo. They do amazing things with simplicity. I don't want that game to feel too complicated. I want it to feel fun and fluid. And if they can do that and also have it be a rad pirate thing, then <laughs> this sounds good. You, you know, know it, it did feel like it was fun and fluid. I just didn't. So in that sense, yes, I just didn't know why, you know, what it was that was fun and fluid. But I guess, yeah, we'll see. I, I love for it to be um, something. Yeah, um, it'd be rad to see. It'd be great to see Rare back in form. Whenever, the, Whatever that game is, whenever that happens, I don't know. Yeah. Can it even happen at this point? I don't know. But if they could get there, it would be great to to witness that and see a resurgence of their particular brand of game. I mean, yeah, for, for those who don't remember, Rare was basically parked uh, at Microsoft and they were told, now you do Kinect games. And, and as we know, that was not... Just crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the most beloved developers in the history of ever. The things they did uh, with and for Nintendo were unbelievably great. You know, GoldenEye, one of the great games ever. Uh, even some 360 stuff when they did the... Um, what was that called? The, oh shoot. The, all the animals you had to kind of manage the weird alien farm full of animals. What the hell was that called? Damn it. Uh, anyway, they had the sequel. Anyways, really, cameo? really no. no cameo was like maybe the most disappointing thing they did since the purchase, but okay. you know, they're, 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 they did blast core on the N64, an incredible game. There was killer uh, instinct, uh, yeah, Benjo Kazooie. I mean, Benjo Kazooie. Yeah. These are big. Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. Rare had the touch. Yeah, and then they got bought, and then they did <laughs> and they made Viva things. Pinata, which yeah, Viva Pinata, which I think was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool game. Yeah, but however, it's not you know that isn't rare level. Yeah, and and then getting shoved over to the Connect is just a that is an insult to injury. It's such a weird <laughs> thing to have happen. So yeah, I don't I don't know if this is the big thing that brings them back and and makes it worthy of the name, but I'm very curious to find out. All right. Uh, also, Crackdown delayed to 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, crackdown 3, obviously. Um, PC gaming. So last year, it was a, a, a total train wreck. Uh, it was three over three hours long. There was almost nothing interesting showcased. Uh, it was basically at the end of that three and a half hours marathon that was basically... I think half of it was AMD selling their cards uh, because it's sponsored by AMD, obviously. Um, They had uh, uh, No Man's Sky announced on PC and uh, Blizzard showed up for the Infernal, you know, the Diablo event in Heroes. And those were the only two things that had any sort of value uh, in news or announcement or anything-wise in that show. So horrible experience. Scott... How was this year's? 
Um. Mm. Wow, that's a longer pause than well, I would have thought. It was it was objectively bad. Um it wasn't as bad as it could have it wasn't as bad as last year. <laughs> uh, give him that. It's still PC pretty, gaming, not as bad as last year. Not as bad as last year. I listen, Sean Plot isn't the problem. I said it a bunch of times on our video. I say it again. He's not the problem. He's a fine host. You want to get a guy from the community who's got experience you know casting and talking in front of a camera that's that's your guy he's great there's nothing wrong with him but their format of like here's a desk and here are some chairs and let's do this like the tonight show except without any real good humor or you know whatever is kind of the model even aside from that they just are it's all as much as i love small games it's a lot of small games that i don't actually give all that much care about in a sea of many 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 games where those people probably just didn't care and didn't want to be involved or or they don't have the capacity to involve that many people um and it also just feels like a big fat advertisement for razor and for amd so and i yeah i don't i don't like that like i don't mind it if you say the super bowl is brought to you in part by pepsi and then go to your super bowl this thing is like AMD ads and, and Razer ads at the bottom of the screen, taking up like three, two quarters of the bottom of the screen all the time, having them come out and do some fake little infomercial. Uh, then that horrible Razer video that they played, that stuff just sours me. It makes me just feel weird about, is this what we, this is this how we see PC gaming? We just want to be cheesy about it. Um, but then it just felt long and drawn out and just boring and lame and I didn't like it. So, yeah, I think you're, you're being a little bit harsh on the AMD <laughs> and Razer thing. I think it's it's not that if we had some exciting uh, content, then we would be okay with the the amount of promo that there was this year. Last year was too much. I agree. Um, this year, I think it was very acceptable. Um, the problem with PC games is that any game that's big enough to uh, warrant general attention is going to go to another developers conference. Um, and, and the games that are going to be in, uh, this show are going to be smaller games that cater to smaller audience. And that's the brilliance of PC, right? On PC, of course, you're going to have the big AAA titles, but you're also going to have small games that you can only find there because a, a developer or a small group of, of people can put it together, sell a few dozen uh, thousands or a few hundred thousands of them and mm. make the players happy and get the money they need and keep going on consoles it's a lot more difficult because you're going to need to if you do a big game you're going to have you know or any game it's changing a little bit now but games have to be bigger on, on consoles because of the costs uh, involved on pc you can do your own thing and it can be very successful for the small audience that you cater to But the problem is when you show it at a uh, not super expensively produced show, because it's a, a magazine, it's actually PC Gamer putting it together with AMD and, and Razer, but they don't have the budgets that the other ones have, that the actual developer companies have. Um, mm -hmm. They're just a magazine. So if you present it like this, with the content of the game that is only going to cater to a small portion of the population, like two-thirds or three-quarters of the people watching are not going to care about your small game that the other third or quarter loves. So yeah. it becomes very... It's very difficult to make, it, to make it exciting. I think they made it okay um, this, this year. I, but last year, I thought, yeah, they botched it. Hopefully, they will learn and make it cool this year. And with this year, I'm thinking, maybe it's not really possible to make it 
I'm still going to watch it, but I'm yeah, not sure it's going to be possible to make it like super cool. I understand. I, I think that I, I said it on the video and I'll say it again. I think Valve could do a really cool Steam pr- presentation that's just all about Steam. They have the money and I think the wherewithal to make it a much more compelling event, even though you still have this fragment- fragmentation problem you're talking about. But they'd be able to get bigger names on stage, more interesting, smaller names, and um, you know, spend a little bit more time talking about why the platform's so important uh, to PC mm-hmm. gamers. So, so, so if it were, if it were up to me, that's what would happen. I don't think that's going to happen. And as a result, if this is the best we can do, well, then it's the best we can do. And unless somebody wants to inject a ton of money into it, mm-hmm. this is probably about all we can expect. I, I don't even think it's about the money. I think it's about that issue of. You know, those games are smaller games that and more money is not going to change that. The big games are still going to go to. Well, I mean, yeah, if you if you if you want triple A games, then yeah, maybe. But um, um, so we're going to move on because I think PC gaming had very few like actually interesting things that are going to interest everyone. But there were a couple of interesting games. Um, Dawn of War 3 was presented. Uh, Lawbreakers was was shown there, but it was nothing super new. Um, The Turing Test was a weird (laughs) puzzle, I don't know, adventure thing. Um, Drop Zone was also intriguing. I think that's the one that I'm going to keep an eye on. Basically, what Drop Zone seemed to be was a uh, concentrated RTS experience, almost like an RTS version of a MOBA, where maybe it's going to turn into something that I can enjoy as an RTS because it's a 10, 15 minutes mission. And you don't, I don't know, it's weird, but it seems like an, an a more approachable RTS. I agree. It didn't seem like, you know, there's not a ton of base building or any of that kind of stuff. It's basically yeah, exactly. get units out and fight, prepare a little bit before the battle. Very MOBA feeling I got off of that thing, mm. um, which I don't, I'm not saying that's bad. It's just different. Um, yeah, I, I, it seemed cool. Like of all of the things shown at the show that were like games that felt like they were PC specific, it's probably the Dawn of War game that I'm more interested in than this, the new Dawn of War 3 or whatever. Four, f- three, three. Right, three, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Warhammer 40k thing. That's that's mm. that's much more interesting to me. But this did seem kind of cool. I'm I'm curious about it. It seemed really big and chunky, like just big chunky things moving around and small arenas and not the kind of RTS you'd expect where you know you've got vast maps and resources to collect and things like that. So it's definitely a different aim. And their website's super cool. So I guess I have high, to, medium to high hopes for whatever the hell that thing is. All right. Um, there were, and again, there were tons and tons of games. Um, Arcane Warfare Mirage was weird. Um, the the uh, what else? Day of Infamy was. I mean, just that. It's if either we talk about all of them or we talk about none of them. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think we've hit the highlights, but they're yeah. you know, hey, guess what? PC gaming continues to thrive and survive and be a, a, th- a sure, real yeah. a, you know thing in game. So if you're a PC gamer, it's actually one of the best times ever to be alive. <laughs> um ubisoft so to me i think ubisoft is the second best conference uh and, and it was I, I really liked it uh, tell me what you thought i thought i'd put it right up there i'd put it right up there with uh i'd say bethesda and ubisoft probably share second place for me mm-hmm. um ubisoft had a bunch of games i'm very interested in and also i thought their presentation was pretty good 
Um, you know, I'd like it less in retrospect. I like I, I kind of like them all a little bit less in retrospect after Sony's because I like Sony's purity. Yeah. There was a purity of purpose to Sony's. They didn't have any talking heads sitting down. We'll, we'll talk about it because I think it yeah, deserves we'll it. So yeah. We'll get to that. But but you know, Ubisoft famous for having Aisha Tyler talk to people and bring them out and tell some jokes and then show a thing or whatever. And they kind of followed the same format, but it was tight and good. And I think that Ubisoft has really good stuff on offering right now. There was also this feeling in the air of man, I sure hope they get to maintain their relative independence and not be hostily taken over by Vivendi, which is all in the news right now. So there, you could kind of feel that palpable feeling on the stage. Uh, or maybe I just brought that to it. I don't know, but no, definitely. Uh, I mean, when, when, Yves Guimot, who's the CEO, came out, and it's the 30th year of uh, of Ubisoft, so it's also a little bit emotional in that way. Um, he definitely, you know, mentioned a couple of things that did indicate we hope we can stay independent because that's where we're are at our best. So, right. So yeah, I uh, yeah, it's you know, I, I'm as far as specific games go from that conference. Um, oh, now the name escapes me, and I'm looking at the list, and I don't see it, but it's the one where you. Uh, you go attack the. It's like Far Cry, except it's. Um, oh, uh, the Ghost Recon Wildlands. That's the one. Wildlands. That looked really cool to me. It looked cool to me last year when they announced it, and I think it's shaping up to be a thing that looks real fun. So, so yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it definitely follows the template of every game. Oh, just just to mention quickly for the Ubisoft conference, I understand swearing is cool. But but it does, it does feel a little bit gratuitous in that, you know, when you do it that much. Yeah, so. I'm all about, see, like, if you see, you watch a Tarantino movie and, you, and, you, and it's just full of F-bombs, but somehow the story benefited from their use. Like, it, there's some context to it or, or whatever. Yeah. When it's just there for nothing, like, just because it's there, that's <laughs> never enough for me. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it, HBO's Game of Thrones. If you're going to have... Uh, 30 naked women in a row. Well, why? Is there a reason? Oh, you're in a brothel. Okay, there's some context. Okay, I get it. But if they're just showing up naked just because they're naked, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, what's the point? You're not furthering the story with this. You're just titillating. And that's not enough for me. And for me, it's the same with any kind of content, really, violence or whatever. It's They've all got their place. And they're when they're handled well, it's great. And that's, I agree with you 100%. It's like, and the Ubisoft presentations are always kind of like this. They're always like, yeah. Uh, look what we can do. But I think it's funny because you're a much swearier guy than I, and this is a French company, and you uh, are finding fault in it. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I think, I mean, exactly what you're saying. I think it's artificial. Um, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, I whatever. It's not a big deal. It's, I just thought I'd mention it. But um, so the Ghost Recon Wildlands is, it, the thing is, it feels exactly like, and the presentation, by the way, as a whole, it was fantastic. There were lots of cool things. And uh, contrary to many of the other ones, you actually saw a lot of gameplay. And that was the case for Wildlands uh, as well. But it's like every game at Ubisoft is an open world. And it is demoed with a bunch of people talking together in a way that is the most unnatural and and marketing showcase possible. and. Yeah. It, it, and Wildlands is sort of the the poster poster boy boy for that. Um, they were playing a demo, and it seems like you have a co op open world thing where I think a lot of people are saying, "Oh, but it's just like Far Cry and and every other open world game." The big difference is that you do this as a group, right? It's it's a little bit different from from um, 
the division, from what I understand, because it's not as much instanced. It's almost like, again, Far Cry, but everyone's on the same map. Not everyone, but you know, you have all of your buddies on the same map and you can go and do whatever you want, right? It's not you enter a dungeon and you do that together as a progression. They didn't Um, really show or talk about whether single player is even possible here, but yeah, it did appear mostly to be, you know, you and your crew doing your thing. Yeah. Well, you can do it solo, but I don't know exactly how it works. Um, But it's probably like the division a little bit. It's like, you know, play division solo or I can play with groups. And whenever they demoed it, it was always with a group doing unnatural conversations. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> and um, and so the, the thing, that mission looked pretty incredible. I mean, you had the initial approach that was very stealthy and you had to make sure you wouldn't alert the guy you were supposed to capture and you would, you know, kill a few people stealthily and then snipe some from the other angle and then you would show up and then he would realize that you're there so he would run away and you grab a bike and you jump on it and you pursue him in an incredible car chase and like, if it plays out that way... It is a pretty incredible experience. It feels like, you know, a, a triple A movie. And I understand that, you know, open worlds are, are the best way of creating that kind, those kinds of experiences that are incredible in video games. So I'm not knocking on, on open worlds per se. It's just that Ubisoft apparently does everything open world. But yeah, um, tied their wagon to that for sure. The closest yeah. thing I have to not uh, open world that they showed at that event probably was, oh, geez. Grow up. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. And even that sounds like it went much yeah. more open world this okay, time. Okay, tri- Trials of Blood Dragon. Then okay, that one. Yeah. Well, and that one came out the same day, so it's such a yeah. throwaway. I'm not sure. Um, I count it. But yes, Trials. I guess is their one franchise where it's not very open world. <laughs> so um, yeah. Anyway, it, it looks pretty amazing. It's it's out uh, March 7, 2017. I doubt that is going to be exactly like this. When it actually, I doubt that's how it's going to play out. If it does, it's it's pretty exciting though. Um, there are, I mean, we can't not mention and spend a long time talking about uh, the fractured butthole. Mm. Um, that that presentation was awesome. I mean, Trey Parker and uh, what's his face, Matt Stone. Matt Stone are they? They make everything seem fun, and the game looks like an. I did. I I didn't really get into the stick of truth for so i'm not a big um uh uh south park fan for some reason it feels a little bit too poo poo humor you know um mm-hmm. and i know that that's the draw and that's what makes it funny but it, it's a, a little bit i i like it okay i've seen many of them but um i did get into the stick of stick of truth but the stick of truth was fantasy like role-playing themed Mm-hmm. The fractured but whole is basically. I notice how I pay attention to how I'm saying it. Um, it's the superhero thing. It's like basically Marvel, and and the kids are are superheroes, stupid superheroes like they would be, and there's a civil war between them. So that's why the fractured but whole, right? But whole, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all th- yes, they're a big. They're it's superheroes. I mean, it's straight up superheroes, and there's archetypes that look like a little like Batman, a little like whatever. <laughs> it's all very offensive. Um, you know, for example, all the swearing in South Park seems perfectly appropriate to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any problem with it. Uh, and it looks like a great follow up to a very successful game for them. Stick of Truth did really well, and there's no reason this shouldn't either. And I guess I guess this is another non open world game. So there's that. 
Yeah, that's true. It's an RPG and it's a pretty damn good one as well. Um, and it's releasing December 6th, uh, with uh, pre-purchases getting the stick of, stick of truth today. So it's being re-released basically on the current platforms. Um, and it's kind of, it, it made me want to go out and buy it now to get the stick of truth because I just want to get in on that, on that fun that everyone was having when it first came out. I, I even have it on, on Steam. So maybe I should play it there, but um, I have it on Steam as well. And I, and I keep thinking I'm going to crack it and play and I just haven't done it. And I think, I think it was even gifted to me and I just haven't done it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it looks it looks really awesome, and uh, it's it's something that I'm looking forward to. Um, there was, you know, the Division Underground DLC, which is showing up. Um, I mean, that's expansion stuff, so we're not going to spend too much time on it. Eagle Flight, that VR catch the the flag game where you're playing an eagle catching rabbits. It's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, on VR, there's the Star Trek uh, deck crew game. I'm, I'm guessing you love Star Trek, so you, you're going to be all over that. Kind of, yeah, a little stiff to me. Um, hmm. It looked a little like um, somebody's home project, but that's okay. I've seen <laughs> like there's a VR project being worked on in the Unreal Engine that's actually on YouTube, a, a walkthrough of it that is stunning. That's basically just a tour of the Enterprise, so it's not nearly as interactive as this. Um, that being said, though, what makes this look like fun is if anybody's played Space Team on mobile, iOS or Android, you'll know what this is kind of like. Everybody at their stations having a certain job to do and having to bark out orders to other people in the room and make sure they do it and having them understand it. It feels like that's what this is. And Space Team really is just a send up of Star Trek techno babble anyway. So it would it would uh, it would make sense that they were aiming for something like that. But also kind of hard to tell ultimately what that game is. You know, I don't know. I'm not Mm. really sure. It's like a lot of Star Trek and people standing around poking stuff and clicking on the deal and. Yippity scooda! It's cool, but I don't <laughs> right. know the kind of thing that's cool for fifteen minutes. But is sure. it cool too? Like, what's the the added value from? A lot of people are referencing Space Team, and the question is, what's the added value from that? Is there one? Maybe you know, looking out your your hull and seeing like a burning sun is it beautifully rendered is going to make it worth it, like it is in some of the space exploration games. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just going to be you pressing buttons with your helmet on instead of pressing them on your iPhone screen. Right. So. Yeah. It looks interesting. I'm, I'm, I mean, again, it just, it just looked a little amateurish in terms of the characters and mm. some of the art style just, I don't know, wasn't doing it for me, but I All will right. play, I will play it because I'm getting a vibe. So why the hell not? <laughs> I guess, or was that Oculus exclusive? Now I don't remember. Was it an Oculus touch thing? I don't remember. I, I, I honestly can't remember. I, I'm guessing Ubisoft is going to put out their games on all the platforms. Okay. Right. I don't see them doing exclusives. That's a good point. Um, For Honor is coming out February 14th. And that's the, um, it's even a little bit hard to describe. It's like this uh, sword fighting game where it's not like swiping a million times to kill someone it's like you have to parry and do a a very specific strike to kill someone and and there's a feeling of uh, the romance of three kingdoms the sengoku muso type of games a little bit more than there was last year when they introduced it um it and the the first one the the scene they showed they there was gameplay for almost everything Uh, the one they showed was basically a siege you getting in uh, inside a castle with all the elements of a siege and it felt both exciting and sort of and and i wasn't sure how gameplay it was gonna be um yeah I, 
I, I guess I was incredibly excited last year. And I'm still excited this year, but a little bit less. I'll, I'll be waiting to see exactly how it plays out. I am getting a feeling in that game of not only Dynasty Warriors. And when he, when I saw the first big group of dudes, when he came around the corner, I was like, oh, no, please don't feel like a Dynasty Warriors game. Because I really don't like those. Mm-hmm. Just hordes of en- enemies and me slacking, uh, hacking at them is not interesting to me. And it's not quite that. It's not that, no. And it's also very not anime. It's very brutal and, and Western RPG looking and you know, kind of hardcore, dark, whatever. And that Vikings are cool. And there's no, I'm never going to say anything bad about the motif of this thing. It's pretty cool. But um, the fights against the boss types play out like Monster Hunter, kind of. So that influenced again that I was talking about earlier. Um, I don't know if I want that or not. I don't know. I don't know. I mm. could be, I could be really intrigued by this thing, but I'm, I'm unsure at this point whether this is interesting to me or not. This is one I'm definitely going to have to do a wait and see on what other people think first and see if it matches my play styles because something about it was like, well, a little bit of Dark Souls, a little bit of Monster Hunter, a little bit of um, Dynasty Warriors. None of those three things are things I love. So, yeah. I mean, the problem with the Dynasty Warriors thing is you swipe and you hit a million people. I mean, the reason why Batman, the Batman system is so awesome is that you press a button and it does something specifically, like you hit someone in the face. It's not like you you swipe a giant blade and whatever is in its path is assigned 20 points of damage, right? It, you actually, it equates your button press with a specific action in the game. And I was hoping that For Honor was going to be that for Sword Fight. And until you get to a boss, it kind of isn't. It is that swiping and, you know, everyone in your path gets 20 points of damage or something like that. So that's why I I took a step back, I think. But um, we'll see. Mm. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, Grow Up, we mentioned the follow-up to uh, Grow Home. Uh, Trials of Blood Dragon, you know, it's Trials... Uh, it's 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 kind of fun, but I think the the '80s motif is it was cool once. You don't need to bring it up again. I think. Yeah, um, also, it also was. I don't know. It just felt a little heavy-handed this yeah. time around, yeah. more so than it did in Blood Dragon. So I don't know why. Just, um, and then obviously, Watch Dogs Two. Uh, we saw a full mission. Um, it's looks great man that game looks great pretty yeah. i mean it's like cityscapes and stuff like they've they have done a, a realization of san francisco that rivals or beats what what i think gta 5 achieved on pc or even ps4 with its uh better graphics like now remember remember that we have we have that uh ubisoft effect where the games look twice as good in the presentations than they do in actual uh gameplay when you have it for your console that's true it depends on when you i mean i so so the last assassin's creed game syndicate on pc i can't speak to console but on pc looks incredible like just gorgeous incredible vistas incredible that's true yeah. distance like like really they're over the hump on that. Now, again, that's the PC version and we were probably looking at the PC version of Watch Dogs too, but you know, uh, even unity on, on PS4 looked amazing. It was yeah. incredible. So yeah. Well, yeah. When you weren't having the issues it was having that game looked good as well. So I think we're to a place now where that stuff is less of an issue. And that's the one thing I noticed about the entirety of this year's E3 conferences, anything that featured outdoor environments looked draw dropping all yeah. of it. 
There wasn't a game that I went, well, there's some crappy draw distance. Even the Zelda game on the Wii U looks insane <laughs> um, with its more simplified style. But it's just we've gotten that down now where mountains look great and you can run to them. You know, like it's just no longer that draw in, pop in CPU thing. Like we've finally got to a place where RAM can hold all of this geometry. It's just incredible. I love it. It's, for me, it's a real hallmark and no one's talking about it, but I love it. Yeah. Um, so the mission itself, I mean, it's watchdogs. It feels like, I think it was on DLC. They were saying like hacking is magic. It's, it's not really hacking. It's just, you point your phone at something and it activates it. Right. So it, it's, it's, it's another open world game. I was a little bit put off by the, the main protagonist's uh, friend that had that mask with the emoji on the face. That was like, (sighs) you don't want them to go too far down that rabbit hole of like nudge nudge hacker bs exactly yeah i'm worried about that so uh, but you know it's it's ultimately it's an open world uh game with parkour that looks a little bit more like grounded than Mm -hmm. uh, than other parkour games and it could be fun could be fun but i'm not also also Ubisoft is famous for having a, a, a sometimes lukewarm first game and following it up with an incredible better than the first one sequel. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed 2 is the best proof of this. They do it with lots of games. Um, Far Cry 2, I felt it was that way. Like they just get better that second time around. This is a chance for Watch Dogs 2 to be firmly that way. And if it is, I'm actually really jazzed about this. So, I, you know, could care less about Watch Dogs 1. The reception was so lukewarm. But I'm intrigued here, given both their history and what they showed. It looks good. Uh, and finally, they close off the uh, presentation with uh, Steep, which is basically <laughs> hard to describe. Uh, the, the game that came to me that I, I loved, that I really enjoyed, was SSX, uh, the, the snowboard game. And this is kind of a, a mountain sports simulator like you're it's again an open world on the mountain um (laughs) and you have your friends and you do stuff on the mountain like you you paraglide you're going on skis you're uh, everything and at first i thought now that's just stupid why would i want this and as they were playing i was thinking wow this looks kind of rad it's like serene and beautiful and at the same time exciting and if they managed to instill that feeling that i had when i was playing ssx of there was a sense of flow in ssx that was amazing and this feels like it might have it too so i could be excited right there with you i think it looked real cool i wish it was i mean this was a theme with me when we were doing the commentary but i wish it had a little more fantasy element in it like it was just a little more over the top <laughs> it looks like a, a, a simulator of sorts um although there were yeah, some things the, happening that just were like whoa wait a minute <laughs> to the point that yeah when someone got into like got into a tree it was like horrible screams and like it, it was on the stream we were with with john and going like what happened? Like there's this beautiful sunset on the mountain and like you're flying, you're and and with your like swirl suit and all of a sudden your friend bumps into like falls down, hits his head on on the rock and goes like, "Ah! Oh my god!" Another like, person in a tree and then then the other guy just skated past or skied past it and I was like, "My gosh, is like bodies hit the floor going to start playing? Like what are we doing here?" Like 
it turned into a real massacre, but it looked real good. It looked like it played really fun. And I am a sucker for put me at the top of the mountain and let's snowboard off this thing like a freak. Like I love that feeling if there's a Zen quality to it. Um, the SSX series was certainly emblematic of that. I'm I'm all up on this. This this maybe will end up feeling a bit more like 1080 did on um, uh, was that N64? I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. That was for its time, really incredible. And there's a there's a there's something about that that's just so serene for me, even when you're in danger. That just puts me in a in a in a place, and I love that. So yeah, I'm same. I came into it going okay, whatever, and then out of it going yeah, I think I'm gonna play that game. Mm. Um, so that's Ubisoft, uh, and now the, basically what's the last conference, because Nintendo was really just Zelda and some Pokemon. Um, but, uh, Sony, last conference, what, what did you think? Okay. So, uh, Sony, Sony has a way of doing this for any, so they kind of speak to me anyway, when they do their conferences, generally speaking, there've been some real bummers over the years, but they, they, they tend to focus on more artistic types of, of presentations. Uh, they have a, they had a pit orchestra there that would play music all the time. Uh, yeah. Just to be clear, the music yeah. of the orchestra was playing during the trailers and the game. They were scoring they were the, the things yeah. as they were going on. That is correct. And it was, uh, uh, the conductor was Bear McCrary, who is known for the soundtrack on Battlestar Galactica, probably most prominently because it was so good at the time, just groundbreaking stuff. He's done a million things since, and he's scoring the new God of War game, which they started the conference with. And they didn't just start it with a trailer or an exciting picture or a stinger. They showed a ton of gameplay, like straight up, let's play this game. And from what we can tell, that game is revitalized in a, in a way that I didn't expect. I was not excited about a God of War reboot. What I am excited about is they're not just saying, oh, here's Kratos again. Let's go after Zeus. We've got a new reason to be pissed. This is Kratos of the Norse mythology. It may be the same Kratos who tried to escape to the north to get away from his trouble. I don't know what's going on with him. He's technically dead in the old game, so I don't know how they're doing this. But if it's not him, it is definitely the voice. Uh, by the way, confirmed is the voice of uh, Christopher... The guy who plays Tilk on Stargate. Um, Anyway, he is in this Northland playing Norse mythology stuff with Norse god creature dudes. (laughs) And it seems to have either a son or someone who's under his care. That wasn't immediately clarified, but it looked epic. It looked really pretty. It looked amazing. And they played a ton of it. And I can't wait for whatever the hell they're doing with this. And it's called God of War. There's no God of War 4 or God of War uh, you know, Norse edition, God of War, Odin's <laughs> curse or anything like that. It is straight up like doom, like God of War. Yeah. It's almost like they're rebooting it in a way. And it looked great and nuanced and, and smart and slower and not just the freak out fest that is typically God of War games. So I, I'm going to come back to God of War because I think as, as much as you seem to have liked it, I think it still wasn't enough of a glowing description. So I'm going to put another layer on that. Yeah. Um, but for Sony, in general, the entire conference was after the other you know five conferences we had seen, it was such an incredible gift, I almost want to say, because there was no one speaking on stage. There was maybe a total of five minutes over the... It was the shortest one. It was an hour and 20 minutes, I think. And it yeah. was maybe five minutes of people speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything else was just gameplay. It was the CEO of America guy, too. Whatever his name. I forget his name. Kevin... 
Yeah, I could remember. Oh. That guy. Anyway, yeah. him. The guy that took over for the, the mobster guy that used to be there. <laughs> um, and and it was it was just just I'm saying it's it's a gift because it's like obviously it's all marketing and it was calculated but it, they just showed up the music started and it was game 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 and not even like the developer coming in and giving his PR marketing speech telling you with the buzzwords that they need to use and you know saying like it's dynamic and thrilling and it's open world and you can do whatever you want and you're like I don't care if you tell it to me just show it and that's what they did nonstop so I think it was an incredible presentation that you know it, it was a mic drop level of presentation for e3 and, and i think like, some people say oh well, i was disappointed that it was all stinger reels and you know video and stuff and, I, and my comment to that was all right fine you can subjectively say well you know you want more out of the conference itself fine but if you pull, put this up against everything else done this week far and away objectively the better conference like not even close in my opinion. Now, were there conferences in years past that were better than this one? Maybe. Were there uh, uh, games shown in other conferences that have more potential than games shown here? Maybe. You could make all those arguments. But the presentation was snappy, quick, calculated, fun, fast, game-focused. 100% game-focused. Nobody coming out and going, Oh, hi, I'm Jim Bib Bob from the <laughs> video department, and we're so excited about TV on PlayStation View. <laughs> You too will be soon able to. They didn't do that, and, and I was and you so know, glad. I was so happy as a gamer that they didn't mess with that crap. Yeah, I think it felt it felt like it was, and that sounds weird for a big company trying to give us to get us to to give them money, but it felt more honest. Um, and I mean that because there wasn't all the marketing speech, and yeah. and maybe the games aren't going to end up not being at all like what they showed but it felt that way so and it was also a breath of fresh air because the other ones had so much so and even the time where they showed just a tiny glimpse of a game and you thought boy i'd sure wish there was more to that oh well i guess some of these can't be all full fleshed out gameplay demos they did a full fleshed out game demo later of the same game (laughs) yeah that was for days gone oh you're intrigued by that were you well here it is again and now it's the full thing it was really good and even for the amount of games i mean maybe they're not your thing but i think there were more big games than in any other conference um Microsoft was certainly up there. There's a lot more diversity. It wasn't just shooters. It wasn't just uh, one kind of game. There's a lot of weird shit in there. So actually, um, let's get... Well, I I might dispute that because there were some indie stuff at Microsoft as well, which were a different kind of thing. But um, Sure. So... God of War, I want to go back, come back to that because it didn't... And I want to contrast with Gears of War because Gears of War 4 is exactly what Gears of War has ever been. You know, it's it's exactly that, but turned up to uh, the power of Xbox One. And and that's fine. I think that's a, a commendable uh, thing to be. God of War feels like it is a, a an evolution for adults that the developers have become since they made the first one 10 or 15 years ago. And and I'm sort of talking of the two in parallel, Gears of War and and God of War. Um, God of War was, uh, uh, the demo was uh, Kratos mentoring his son, or as you were saying, and you could feel, and maybe that's me being a sucker for Naughty Dog games and and, uh, The Last of Us in particular, but you could feel a connection between the two. You could feel emotion and you could feel... 
without denying what Kratos is, which is a, an, an insane uh, killer, but he was that trying to be a father. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was weird and, and touching. And at the same time, you came into um, a scene where there were fights and there were fights and they were very God of War-like in the brutality of them. And it's possible that ultimately this is going to be the intro sequence and then you know 10 minutes in the the son figure dies and then you're back to being angry kratos it's yep. it's possible it, could, it very well could be that it could be the impetus for that i mean my brain kept going there but but yeah. they you know in fact the opening sequence of last of us was reminiscent here like it was just like oh here's this thing where you're running around with your daughter or in this yeah. case the son or whoever you're in charge of people have been calling it dad of war which i think is pretty funny <laughs> Um, but but yeah. I agree with you though, they're hitting all the right notes and in a brief demo, that's difficult to say about final product. But if you're trying to sell me on a revitalized franchise, they did it. Exactly. Because, and, and I think that's the important thing I, I take away from it is that Gears of War was doing the same thing and being, you know, it's almost like that, that, uh, Cliff Lezinski, uh, infamous quote, like badder, faster, more badass, or, you know, whatever he said at the time that he regrets now. Um, and, and they're just doing the same thing. And it feels like it's a game being done for the same kind of teenagers, uh, which is fine. I love teenager games and at heart, I am a teenager, but I'm also a 40 year old now. And I, I think our industry has changed a little bit because the people making it have changed. And when they show me something like God of War, which is a reimagined experience, apparently, um, I'm, I'm intrigued. And I think that's, that's a very interesting way of continuing a franchise while making it evolve and different, even a little bit, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm, I was very, very excited to see what's going to come out of God of War. And I really, like, I really hope that they are this is indicative of what the tone of the game is going to be and that it's not just the intro. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. And also I secretly hope that this is a new direction for the series where we, we spend some time with a a Kratos type character in a different Mm -hmm. mythology and then move him to different mythologies is a very interesting idea to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it could, you know, God of war, he doesn't have to be Greek. It's just the God of war. So maybe you follow him in different, like you were saying, different mythologies and he is the God of war in all those different. So, yeah. yeah. And as soon as that creature went something, something Valhalla, I went, Oh dude, freaking (laughs) it's let's do this. We all got horns on our hats and uh, it's snowing. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Love it too. Um, so there were a, a bunch of other games, and the, the best testament to the number of games I think that that generated excitement was that the Last Guardian got a release date of October twenty six, yeah. and and that wasn't the biggest thing in the conference. No, <laughs> you know? the audience lost their minds. In fact, the, they showed a cool video of that game um, that really made it look very fleshed out. Looks like things are looking real good in there, and gave the date, but it wasn't even like a. You know, my other conferences would have taken time to have some developer come on stage and be translated talking about it or something. In fact, I think they even did that last year. Um, but this was just like straight up, hey, remember this? It's still being worked on. Oh, and guess what? October. Boom. And the crowd went wild. I think they don't. It, it's a case of you don't need to sell something that's already sold. Mm-hmm. Um Anything you're going to. It's kind of like Fallout 4 back uh, last year. They didn't yeah. show 
they didn't let anyone play it. Like the journalists kept complaining rightfully that they couldn't play it until it was released. And that was because they knew everyone was excited and they didn't need to convince anyone. So why the only thing that could come out of it would be getting pe people to decide they don't want it. So mm -hmm. I think in this case, it's like La Lost, Last Guardian, everyone wants it, even though we're not 100% sure what the gameplay is going to be. But, um, sure. but it's subtle, smart salesmanship and marketing. They yeah. did a real good job with that in their presentation. They, they didn't overstep their bounds or overstay their welcome on anything they showed. Yeah. And it's also, in the case of Last Guardian, it's Team Ico. So, I mean, yeah. we know what, that they, they know what they're doing. So, yeah. um, anyway, an uh, uh, extended uh, gameplay session, uh, gameplay uh, video of Horizon Zero Dawn uh, coming mm -hmm. out February 28th, by the way. Uh, yep. Were you also... I was already excited about that. I'm more excited about it. Um, there definitely here's another game where the influence of Monster Hunter is very apparent. Yeah. However, uh, that looked glorious. Um, they had me at we're like ancient people living with evolved robot animals. I mean, I was already in on that alone. Like that's enough for me of bought this game just for the thematic elements of the game. Um, but beyond that, man, that looked really good. And everything from just subtle running movement to the complexity of these creatures and the battles themselves and the vistas. And again, the outdoor environments on utterly jaw dropping business, that game. I'm very, very, very excited about that game more than maybe, maybe of all games at the conference. That's maybe the one I'm, I'm most interested in because it pulls just every lever I have, uh, <laughs> games that just really does like big open outdoor story driven cool characters and this weird juxtaposition of the world has kind of reset and mankind is like basically tribal tribal cave dwellers fighting what used to be technology that has evolved into these horrible creatures and machines and hybrids i mean that's just such a cool idea you know so. and there was a little bit of of uh, an, an opening into what the, the underpinnings of all of this. And it seems there are other things, uh, you know, motivations or like, I don't want to know more. It's almost like I don't want to see any other trailers. I just want to dive into it because it seems like there are going to be things happening. So, yeah, I yeah. have a story theory that I don't even like to share with people because if I'm right, I'm going to be disappointed. Don't, yeah. don't. I'm not going to do it. Um, before we get into the VR stuff, uh, Days Gone, I think it's it's worth talking about here. It was a, a, yet another zombie game. We didn't see much of it. Um, it felt very The Last of Us -y, uh, to the point that a lot of people, as it was uh, being showcased, were guessing that it was a sequel to The Last of Us um, with different characters. It, it ended up not being that. It's a studio called Bend uh, Studios, which is a Sony first-party studio, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a zombie game, post-apocalyptic, uh, with, again, very Last of Us-y. And it, it the mood was set incredibly well, and then the zombies arrived, and it was like a daisy... Um, do you remember that those scenes where they would... Uh, Oh, oh, I'm sorry, not Daisy. World War Z. World War Z, yeah, where they yeah. Pour, like pour out of out of uh, yeah. gaps and walls, or they would come piling up to the wall or whatever. Like the, there's it's a, like fluid, it's like, like water, water a, a sea of zombies, like yeah. almost literally. It's really, really impressive here. Like frame rate, even just it looks like a giant ball of liquid zombie coming at you in a way that's visceral and it was on the edge of my seat i mean that damn demo yeah. plus you get you know to show the tech they're of course turning around and shooting a lot 
but I'd be running, man. <laughs> would not be hanging around. But it looked like, you know, the best parts of what we like about that kind of action combined with what we like about a Naughty Dog style narrative. It seems real strong. Yeah. I completely didn't know a thing about it until today or until yesterday. Yeah, it's kind of the the Horizon Zero Dawn of this year a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I'm, that is, you know, right up there in that top five list or so of games I care about this year or the ones that I'm interested in seeing come to fruition. That's way, way up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always try to temper this with like, oh, remember, remember the uh, was a game Sony show that was so beautiful, but so shallow. Um, oh, yeah. The, the Ready at Dawn game, um, The Order. The Order, right. I, I keep reminding myself, hey, some of these could be The Order in terms of what mm-hmm. we finally get. So I'm not trying to be you know overly optimistic, but that looked that looked just fine looked real yeah. good um we saw a little bit more about uh, detroit being human uh, which is that quantic dream game about cyborgs or robots or you know androids number 1 on my list by the oh, way oh really number yep. 1 number so one. so, and what, so it, what it was um it, when we saw it last year it was a different character it was a female uh, uh android thing that was talking about how she wanted to be like a human being or discovering the world uh this one was completely different it was basically one scene where he was a hostage uh uh negotiator basically trying to keep the hostage alive from another android that was threatening to kill him and at the end of the scene he would fail and the 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 android and the hostage would fall off the building they were uh, standing at the edge of and and that was shocking already but then so you rewind and it says you are able to change the outcome of the scene and in order to do that you can look at the clues like go through a number of different choices as you know quantum dream does that very well but it felt i think john said that during the stream um it felt like a compressed version of a quantum dream game uh like heavy rain of those those kinds of games in case you don't know and compressed into one scene and that is appealing to me because in in those games it feels like the good stuff is thread thing because it's trying to be an actual full movie game but if if it only is like let's say the story told through five scenes like this where you you play each scene and it lasts an hour because you're doing all of these choices i think it could be a really strong different kind of game i totally agree and you know what? I, I, so this may be a little subtle and maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the thing I walked away with, uh, because they kept showing all of the various ways this scene could play out, both the good and the bad. Like, it seems really positive that the girl gets saved. But is it? Because maybe some other thing happens if she's not saved that causes more damage or more collateral damage or whatever. So there's all these like the point of it was to say, hey, look at all these decisions. The way I saw it, though, is you're seeing this through an android in a world that's sort of Blade Runner-y, you know, they're, they're feeling much more real and emotional than just, just machines. And he's seeing this through a very analytical, mathematical mind. And all of these possibilities are a way a computer can work. Like, if you and I walk into a mall and we see a thousand things happening at once, we don't have the capacity to, to analyze that and think of all the outcomes. But this robot can walk onto that roof ledge and he can see what's happening. And in his mind... He has a billion scenarios that are all being comp, uh, uh, you know, compiled and computed at once. And the idea that, that the game may explore that a little bit through these mechanics of alternate outcomes, extremely interesting. 
like just like every every scenario is a complex puzzle that involves morality and involves uh you know strategy and all the other things that you that are part of like real life or real crises or crises i guess is the way you'd say that that's <laughs> so exciting like that is easily the standout for me and i'm not even that big of a quantic dream fan but what they showed there if it lives up to the promise of that seems just incredible so that is at the top of my list of anticipated games from the event all right i couldn't add anything to make this better so um <laughs> let's move on to so they showed vr games and there's an, a few of them that look pretty exciting um the, the there's impulse gear where you use that um i believe that's the one you use the the gun for uh it's like space exploration and combat and some kind of you know it's uh, I'll come back to this. Uh, Battlefront, there's a, an X, X-Wing uh, VR mission. There's Batman uh, Arkham VR, where mm-hmm. apparently you can play... There are So you enter the Batcave and you actually prepare for a mission. And there's also another portion of it where... Uh, maybe it's a different uh, game, but there's one where you play the detective parts of uh, Ark- uh, of the uh, Arkham games, and that makes a lot of sense for VR, but apparently there's going to be all of the other parts of the games uh, in VR, like combat, and I don't know how they're going to make it work. Um, I don't either. I want to talk to Kanata after the event. He got a chance to put a uh, headset on and try it, and he was really excited about it, yeah. but I haven't heard his feedback on whether that yeah. was any good or not. But yeah, it seems interesting. I mean, it's those things always seem interesting on paper, like all of it. It seems interesting to play Doom on paper, but it's not in the world. Like, you're going to die with that on your head. So, <laughs> Well, Final Fantasy apparently was not exciting. The VR experience apparently was not great. No, um, pretty but, tacked on, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think as a whole, they all looked like... It was surprising how good they, they looked um, compared to what we thought was going to happen on the PS4. And they looked like more... We're, we're getting closer to the road to actual games and not just demos for for vr but um the other one that was one of those big you know for those presentations you need big hits you need things where people are going to go oh my god i i can't believe this happened um and resident evil 7 was definitely one of those it was it started as this random survival like more horror uh vr experience where you're in a room and you you look around and you're you know in a a shed in the woods and then you try to get out and and then you know it uh, kept going for a few minutes and then they showed it was resident evil 7 entirely playable in vr which makes me a little nervous because it's not initially a vr game yeah Um, i don't like those that whole talk but yeah. And so it's there's the demo available on the, on PS Plus for for PS Plus subscribers. It's coming out January 24, so it's not that far off. It's also coming for PC and Xbox One. Um but it it looks like it looks like an actual VR game. Yeah, I I agree. It looked um, yeah. you know, I mean when they were showing it I went, "Oh yeah, that's the freaking VR game." For sure. <laughs> I I don't um, know why they didn't talk talk about that peripheral on stage at all. Like that surprised me a little bit, but maybe again it was in keeping with uh, less is more kind of attitude about the about their presentation, and they didn't bother to think that having the gun thing out there would be smart. To yeah, detail, it's hard to not look dumb. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. That thing's goofy. It looks like a piece of PVP pipe that was shaped roughly into the shape of like a. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like it's it's. I, I think they're being really really sensitive to the idea that um, 
you know, the, the gun shaped toys are a bad idea for lots and lots of reasons. Okay. You can get into lots of arguments about policies and stuff, but really you don't need a kid running around with a gun like gun in the street and be mistaken for somebody and shot by a cop or whatever. That sort of stuff happens. Right. So in the U S yeah, they, but they have gone so far the other way with it. <laughs> like it's just like this nondescript tube that they're not even calling a gun. It's like some kind of light pointer or whatever the hell they're doing. And, but in the games, of course it's a gun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So course. it's real weird. Anyway, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. It's just kind of cracked me up. Um, a bunch of other things before we get to the last surprises. Um, Call of Duty, uh, Infinite Warfare looked actually really good in that, in the, that, uh, gameplay section they showed. It was in space and it got me more excited than everything else I've seen. Um, Skylanders, Lego Star Wars, Crash Bandicoot remasters, uh, but yeah. Um, are you still there? I'm here. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. All right. I thought you would have interjected in Call of Duty, but you didn't. No, call, listen, I'll just say one thing about Call of Duty. All right. I am personally 100% fine with them going to space. I think that's cool because... But I'm probably not going to play it. Except that it's... Well, no, I probably will actually, or I'm more likely to in this scenario because at least they're doing something different. Like, I'm sick of the same old thing. Give me a Call of Duty that takes me somewhere really new and not just sort of new. Like, oh, it's near future. We got exoskeletons and weird future guns. But really, it's the same game. This is, I'm in a ship. I'm landing on a planet. I'm getting into a space station. I'm shooting up alien dudes, potentially, and other people. I'm getting back in my ship. I got to fly that ship, and I got to fire that ship. And I don't know. They, they Space, like I said in the, the our live stream, space makes everything better. So I'm actually... <laughs> actually yeah. kind of play that we haven't had realistic quote-unquote space combat like science fiction we've only had weird halo uh destiny you know kind of spaced out things but yeah you know, this is a bit like, like this book gritty. series yeah i'm reading the book series and seeing the tv show uh the expanse the expanse series and then the, then the show the expanse deal kind of in this sort of uh, material it's it's very much like yeah, there are no aliens here, really. It's just we now have warp drives or we've gone to the outer rim and we, you know, we populated a bunch of, of asteroids. And now there's infighting and Mars, the Mars colonies have grown to be a huge superpower and Earth and Mars are not getting along. And, you know, like it's more of a realistic take on space expansion. And I feel like this game may may be playing in that. And that's cool. You know, that's a, just a different thing. And so, hey, Call of Duty wants to be different. Sign me up. I'm. I'm probably more interested in that than I am in World War One and Battlefield, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, last two. Uh, Death Stranding is the new Kojima game, which we don't know anything about. Like, if we were saying we don't know anything about some of the game that, games they showed where we did, didn't see gameplay, it was like, it's it was a ridiculous Norman Reedus model. Uh, not ridiculous, but like completely spaced out, far weird thing where he's stranded on a beach and he has a, a baby that's being taken out of him that turns into oil and then he looks up and there are four weird terrifying figures and the entire sea life apparently is on the beach dead and it looks weird and I don't understand any of it but I am... <laughs> I'm excited about it and I know that it's not going to be coming out for like four years and that it's probably not going to be anything like, like that trailer, but it is 
intriguing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That looked really, that looked really good. I mean, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to buy, okay. If, if somebody drove, let's do this, Patrick, somebody drove by in a truck. This is more of an overarching question, but if somebody would drove by an Xbox truck, a PlayStation truck, a PC truck, and a, I don't know. Wii U truck? Wii U truck. I don't know where you're going with the trucks, but like the Kojima thing, I'm excited. Each Each of those trucks was full of the things that they showed at the respective conferences, and they were the only places you could get them. Which truck would you take the keys from and drive off in? Uh, PlayStation truck. Okay. All right. Now, I would be tempted. uh, No, I think I agree with you. But I would be tempted to at least think about driving that Zelda truck. (laughs) Because what they showed with that was incredible. But yes, if I'm being honest and I'm trying to have something that will last all, you know, for a much longer period of time than, yeah, the the Sony truck. All right. right, So let's get to the Zelda truck. Uh, Just before, I'll just mention uh, Spider-Man PS4. It's an exclusive developed by Insomniac. um, And they only showed a, a, you know, a pre-rendered movie. So it's not the the game itself, but it looked like they're getting Spider-Man and it was dynamic and and fun. And Marvel came out with interviews. There's a new guy. I can't remember the name. I apologize. But um, a new guy in charge of video games at Marvel. And he was saying, we are done doing the, the movie tie-ins. Uh, we want to give the games to people who know what they're doing and who, who do epic games with love for the characters and who do great video games and that looked like it could be that so spidey was like jumping off off walls and pulling himself with it it looked awesome yeah it did really look good if it's anything like two spider-man 2 if anyone recalls the ps2 game incredible game big open world spider-man adventure that was really really good beloved by everybody uh I'm, i'm hoping it's along those lines but listen if anybody knows platformy cool power using ratchet and clank style fun it's insomniac games and they're perfect for this i could not be more excited about a hero game and also it's not based on the movie at all so you're getting a a raw spider-man story that is self-contained and not connected to that film at all and uh that's i think a good thing or at least it's perceived as a good thing so yeah very excited i think that's a big get for sony and um interesting get as well given that you know disney Disney, Marvel slash Star Wars all seem to have this tendency to work with EA on things. And here here they are giving an exclusive to Sony and having Insomniac work on it. It's just all very, very strange. And I'm also very excited for what it means for the Marvel franchises in general in video games. Because they've been very poor. They've been bending them out on, on like crappy mobile games and like... They haven't been great, maybe except for the Lego um, Marvel games. But even that, that's a special kind of thing. So I'm, I'm wondering if we're not going to see other... It's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's see the Spider-Man one right. first. Yeah, we'll but, um, so yeah, Sony uh, done. Now the last one is uh, the Zelda conference, conference. Nintendo did talk about a little bit uh, of Pokemon. I'm not, you know, it's not my thing. So I, I'm not going to spend any time on it if you want to. Oh, I don't care. They're always going to be making Pokemon games. That's just the way it is. Hey, guess what? Nintendo makes Pokemon, everybody. There you go. And guess what? Nintendo makes Zelda games. But uh, everyone was waiting for this one obviously it was the only one that was going to be uh playable at the on the show floor at the treehouse uh for uh i mean on the show floor for nintendo the Ze- legend of zelda uh, breath of the wild is the name of that uh fr- that 
game. It's basically an open world. And I have stuff to say, but what did you think? I am over the moon excited about it. I saw, so I didn't see the conference part, the Reggie fils business, right? It, it, well, it, it wasn't, there wasn't really a conference. It was just them playing the games, actually. Okay, so if that's all it was, what I, where I picked it up was the Treehouse people. Yeah, uh, that, that's what it was. Before that, it was like 45 minutes of uh, Pokemon, so you didn't miss yeah. anything. Okay, good, because I missed the whole Pokemon thing. So I watched a lot of that stream of them playing, and I am ready to say that that looks just a, a, like an amazing evolution for the series. It's finally taking Zelda into a place that I think we all wished it always had, and I always felt like Zelda was a little bit too restricted in the face of other games that decided to be a little bit more freedom oriented. Um, you could also make the argument that they stole a bunch of ideas from big open world games like, you know, Skyrim and other sort of adventure games and also took a bit of monster hunter and took a bit of, although you could argue monster hunter took a bit from Zelda in the first place, but, um, in terms of boss battles and stuff, but, uh, but you know, also took a little survival mechanisms out of some of the survival games that are popular and threw it all into, sort of the magic of what makes Zelda great in the first place and the puzzles and the temples and the shrines and all that stuff and your ability to traverse this incredible huge world and do it at your pace, at your design, when you want to go, where you want to go, it looks like the ultimate thing. And here's the trick. That was all on a Wii U and it looked great. Whatever NX is, I expect it to look even better. And since that's a launch title... It's a guaranteed day one for me. <laughs> buying it, whatever the NX is, I'm buying it on the first day. Yeah, I'm I mean, that's exactly where my mind went went when I was watching it. It was like it looks amazing, like artistically. This is all art direction and obviously technical expertise, but art direction. It looks so beautiful. It looks like a, a, a painting of a dream you know it looks incredible and i immediately wondered what it's going to look like on the nx it might be that it's exactly the same thing but they're going to throw in a couple of bells and whistles and it's going to come out as you said on the same day as the nx and it's not going to be available on wii u before that so yeah launch launch day purchase for me uh for sure um a huge chance for them to sell a ton of nx hardware at, yeah. the, at, at the beginning of that cycle and and for them to really get out on the right foot with their next game console i'm I'm very excited about what it means for nintendo as well as just straight up this looks like an amazing game and you know the the thing that really struck me uh when i was watching those gameplay sessions was yes it is an open world game it absolutely is but it, it's, it seems very different from all of the other ones. The other ones feel like a map with icons for you to get to and for you to do a mission. It's like little mission levels everywhere. And very often the open worldiness gets lost in the, in the things to do-iness of it, right? <laughs> and, and I think... Skyrim was it's it's gotten a little bit more towards the mission uh, map in the last few years. I think Skyrim was still in that place where it did feel like you had a huge world to explore more than where's my next mission? Let's follow the GPS and let's go there and do it right. Like it's it's games open world games now are are theme parks more than open worlds which is fine but it's just a different kind of feeling it's an interesting direction this felt more like 
like real open world though exactly so that's where i was going to this one felt like it was a world for me to to go adventure in right to explore to discover to figure out like not but not in frustrating ways like subtle ways like oh there are caves usually right around where the waterfalls are I'll bet that's true of this next waterfall. Oh, sure enough. And there's always loot in here. Oh, that's the other thing. The emphasis on loot and upgrading loot constantly. You're taught, you're speaking my language. (laughs) Like that's the thing I want. I don't want the same uh, sword all game. I want to make a decision on what sword I want and when I want it. And And when he was, when he was going to the North or to the, the higher up in the mountains and it started getting cold and he was shivering because he didn't have enough clothes on. And it, it, it does feel like there is some Nintendo magic in this. And, you know, there's a special brand of, uh, of dreamy childlike wonderment that some companies manage to convey. I think Disney does that or did that at some point. They're coming back to it. Pixar has lost it a little bit, but the early uh, were amazing in that sense. Um, Ghibli or Ghibli rather in Japanese animation does that. And Nintendo does that. And here it seems like there's a metric ton of it. So totally agree. That's a great way to put it. And it's a good comparison. And I would also argue that uh, Pixar never lost it. Cars well, 2 notwithstanding. Yeah. It's all that's good stuff, man. I, listen, I, the two movies I saw in 2015 were great. I don't know what anyone's problems are. Which Inside ones? Out great. Inside Out was great, and The Last Dinosaur, while derivative, was great. They're I haven't still- seen The Last Dinosaur. I think Inside Out was good. It wasn't... Well, it was good. But uh, was Anyway. So good. Zelda. Zelda. Yeah, I'm. I'm. All we're all about the Zelda. Absolutely, everybody get on board with the Zelda. Toot toot! (laughs) We're leaving the station. It's going to be great. All right, I think that's that's all of it. That's a a much longer show than I thought it was going to be, as usual. (laughs) Um, Any parting words? Anything you want to? You know, favorite game, favorite conference, favorite whatever. Worst. What do you want to? Here's my parting thoughts. I thought that this year's E3 was going to signal the end of E3. I thought it was going to be the beginning of the end and where we would start going, I don't want this conference anymore. This is dumb. Let's just do this all on the internet. And up through the end of EA's conference, I was still convinced (laughs) that things were going real south. But I've come around. Um, I don't know that monetarily it still makes sense to make E3 as big as it is and and to do what it does and all that. So I, I still. I'm unsure about its future, but I'm really impressed with what games are being worked on. I'm not, I I didn't come away with the feeling like nobody's got anything to show. Like there's real, there's stuff in the hopper, man. And it all looks really fun. And this is a great place to be three years in. three years into a, into a hardware cycle is always a much happier place than one year in. And they're people have their hands on stuff they've got things figured out they're learning tricks that maximize the power and potential of the current gen stuff despite their aging specs it's just a great time so yeah i i guess i'm i'm more bullish on that high-end side of the industry than i have been in a long time and it's just it's great that that the you know that there's still the showcase for it. So I guess I'm just not as anti-E3 as I thought I was going to be at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I also think that the people saying, oh, E3 is dying are, are smoking something. Um, there's, I mean, obviously EA wasn't there, but we now all understand why they went there. They didn't have anything to show. Um, and and E3 is always going to be the, you know, you need these, these kind. E3 is also an industry event and a trade event, and it needs to happen anyway because all the people are doing business there. But it's also where the entire world stopped this week 
Geek or the Geek World stopped looking at E3. You don't get that if you do something elsewhere. So sure, you need to make a successful showing, but you still get everyone's eyes on you. So I don't think E3, it's going to change, it's going to evolve, but it's not going to go anywhere. So yeah. that's, and uh, my, my parting thoughts are, you know, last year we had an incredible lineup and and this year i didn't think it was, it was even possible but there's even more and lots you know there are people saying oh it's all sequels and and we don't get innovation and i think those people are crazy too we have lots of sequels we have loved lots of reinventions of stuff we we have lots of innovative stuff and it's even you know last year, we keep saying i think for the past year or two that it's it's an incredible time to be a gamer and they the the, the industry is managing to up itself and make it even more incredible look at the slate now i'm having to select the games i i, I want to play not because i want to play them but because i want to play them you know the ones i'm not playing are the ones that i i, I don't want to play as much as the other ones right it's like there's too much too much to play so super excited it was a fantastic e3 uh, i'm i'm ecstatic to see what's going to happen uh in the next few months and to finally get to to get my hands on some of those yeah, games it's just a great time to be a gamer i mean it's just yeah. one of those it feels like one of those swing moments where everything's just really clicking i know there's a lot of competition that needs to be there mobile's weird independence weird pcs are weird everything's weird um vr's weird but man it's a embarrassment of riches and we should all be enjoying ourselves and uh if we want to enjoy ourselves a little bit more uh, because this show is going to end, where can people find some enjoyment with you, Scott, on the internet? Well, you're hearing this show at one of two places. You're either hearing it on the Pixels feed or the Boop feed. One way or the other, uh, check uh, other shows at the Frog Pants Network out, including Patrick and I on The Instance and other stuff over at frogpants.com slash podcasts or frogpants.com for the entire listing. Just go check it out. Uh, and follow me on Twitter. I have other thoughts and feelings about things, usually game-related, over at uh, Scott Johnson on Twitter. How about uh, you, Pat? Where can people find more about you and Pixels? <laughs> well, you can find me on uh, Twitter at NotPatrick and on Facebook at NotPatrick. I have thoughts as well. Um, you can also find my shows at Frenchspin.com, Pixels and the Phidias Club, which is a, a super fun international news from different perspectives uh, show, where, which I assure you, you would enjoy if you listened. Um, and I do the over, uh, Overwatchers about that one game, Overwatch. We didn't mention one once until now in this show um and uh it's available at amove.tv with garrett wandrell and chan man v so you can go check that out as well i think that's it right scott do it that's it uh go listen to all our e3 things they were huge and fun and funny and i think people enjoy them so if you skipped all that don't go back and check that stuff up out on the uh, boot feed as well or on youtube frogpants.com slash videos where they're all at and you can uh, see how goofy and dumb we were for two days and Patrick and how <laughs> yeah. sleep deprived Patrick was the entire oh, time. Oh, very much. And uh, and if you're listening to this on, on the Boop Show, please go subscribe to Pixels. It's a, it's a fun gaming news show that is uh, uh, everything you need after Boop Show, of course. Yeah, and everything. And, and if you listen, if you... If you're listening to this on the Pixels podcast, you might enjoy my um, one-man commentary show called The Boop Show as well. They're both very good companion pieces, hence why we put our heads together and finally got the French and the Americans to do something right with each other for once. <laughs> so there it is. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. And I guess that's it. We're and that's out. it. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you and talk to you in the next episode. Bye, Bye everybody.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.